Blog Talk Radio. Is it different? 
Canelo Bivol at 168? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's a style matchup that's going to be tough. Now, like I said, Canelo, can he improve a little bit? Sure, I think he can go to the body. I think he can jab a little more. I think he could not. He needed to get out of the gear he's been in the last few fights, and he just wasn't able to, and credit to Bivol for that. But even at 168, I think stylistically this is just a bad matchup for him. However, you know, we were saying prior to this, when he was trying to figure out what deal he's going to take or what he's going to do, you know, this show talked about, hey, dude, just get your business done at 68. And I know people are going to be like, dude, he's already got his business done at 68. T- to be fair, though, right, fighting Golovkin, fighting Benavides and fighting Charlo, whatever, those three, he could have fought these next three fights. He could have just done a, a, a one-off for Charlo, fought um, – this May fought uh, Golovkin in September and then fought Benavidez, you know, uh, in in May and still got his December fight. He could have done a two-fight deal, you know, with Golovkin or, yeah, well, with Golovkin and, and whoever else in, in December, right? He could have done September, December then. But he chose not to, and I'm not dogging him for it. I'm not saying, oh, he was trying to cherry pick. I'm not saying all that. I do get the whole thought of them – undervaluing Bivol, but I think a lot of us did um, just because of the last few years. Basically, a couple of those fights that we mentioned last week stand out to be like, wow, dude, look at how he got affected in that body, in his body shot, and also when he got hurt, just, just in general, how he fought after that. Since, since the pandemic, kind of, um, how he fought since that, and it was way too careful, it wasn't as active, it seems, or at least the power punches, um, and, you know, that left hook counter or just straight up was there, obviously the jab was there, the subtle movement, the pibble, the pivots, the, the pibbles, the pibble, pivot, um, yeah, man, he, he put it all together, but I'll say this, did he put on, you know, just a, a, a performance of a lifetime, yeah, I think so. Can he make improvements on it? I think very minorly, but not a whole lot more, in my opinion. Can Canelo improve? Yeah, I think. But honestly, I, I think it's it, it may be – I think both of them are kind of minor. I, you know, I think, I think Canelo can improve, but – and I think it'd be maybe a notch-up percentage-wise of what Bibble could – you know, the jab in the body, that would be – you know, but, but the more you go to the body – especially early in the fight, if you're doing that, the more you're open to that left hook counter. So, or just counters in general. So I just think Bibble has his number, um, but who knows? We're gonna, this is going to be really interesting to see. A lot of people have spoke lately about, man, it really does make Golovkin the trilogy, you know, against Golovkin. And that's who I think actually will he'll fight in September. It makes it a little bit more interesting coming off a loss. But if he loses the Bibble twice, it's kind of like, ooh, okay, damn, you know. But I love how Bibble is also at least verbally putting pressure on it. They haven't started negotiating yet. But I like how he put the pressure on for, for 168. I'll, I'll go down to 168, dude. You got all the belts. Let's do it for Undisputed. I love that because Bibble was a guy that 68 was fine. You know, he's not a huge 175-pounder, clearly. So 
So size was not the biggest difference. Being said, I do think 168 is better than 175 for Cabello. Anyway, I got a little intro in there. Got a little carried away, breaking it down, but we are going to break that down. Like I said, will he do the rematch? Will he do the trilogy? Will it be different at 168? Obviously, there's a lot to go into it. You know, there was a New York Times article that, um, you know, talked about what he got up for upfront money and and how he kind of banked the money on the back end with the pay-per-view, and we don't have the numbers. Let's see if we get them. Notice how we get the PBC numbers pretty quick, sometimes even on a Tuesday. But usually it's at least Thursday, right, they say. But, you know, digitally, you can get them a little quicker, at least a a different – you can get a a better picture of them earlier than you could, I guess you could say. But um, that's that's interesting right there. (laughs) That's interesting right there. But anyway, um, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a variety of ways. And then, of course, the rematch for Undisputed at Junior Middleweight, Charlo and Castaño, part two. You know, we'll we'll kind of brush aside some other stuff, talk about it minorly um, as far as the boxing schedule and fight news and whatnot whatnot like that. We did have uh, two new gates that came out, live gates. Garcia did a really healthy gate considering who he was fighting. And then, you know, no matter what Montero or some other folks always say about big PBC events, um, that it was struggling, and Spencer Ugas was struggling, uh, we got the gate numbers. We got the receipts from the Texas Commission. And what do you know? It actually did very good. But, you know, since it's the PBC, of course, uh, the usual suspects will be out. Anyway... Um, I mean, this this is a perfect example once again. Um, oh, and by the way, someone just texted me this. Yeah, we still haven't heard a thing about Fury and White. And I think it's, you know, not the, the Thursday of fight, you know, after fight week, right? We still haven't even got a sniff of those numbers. Kind of funny. Uh, but they had like an almost exact number for Spencer Gossip, folks. Kind of kind of weird how that works. But anyway, um what I was saying is you can really tell we're in a great stretch of boxing because it seems like almost every week we've been doing, we're coming off this and now we go into an undisputed, you know, it's, it's been a phenomenal run on the schedule. It's going to last through June. Let's hope July starts to fill up. That's the next thing we need. It's May 11th. We need July, August and September to start filling up here. And I expect that to start going on. We do have some news, um, you know, out there in general, uh, a possible July fight. Talked about the, the fight date last week for Ryan Garcia. Well, maybe Isak Cruz and him are going to fight now because the WBC did call for that fight, which means there will be a purse bid at the end of it. We'll see just how that goes. But anyway, um, and then, of course, fight news and a little boxing Twitter stuff that we always like to get into. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope, though, if you don't want to, um, and download the show there or, or listen to the browser. You can find the Rope Dope Radio podcast platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Spricker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google 
uh, podcast. While you're at it, head on over to thegrillingshoot.com. One more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgraded the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fees. If you go to the Premier Package, you might want to pay attention to this, boxing fans. If you go to the Premier Package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime. Already included, Showtime is $11 on this platform. DirecTV Stream. Okay, so, you know, um, although I was happy to see... Um, you know, the scorecards uh, awarded the winner. Um, I'm not going to bend over backwards uh, and say that they were great scorecards, especially all three of them, you know. On one hand, you can say, hey, you know, the, the scorecards weren't all over the place, and that's fair. I mean, it wasn't a split decision. They had Canelo win an 8-4 to four or something like that. Um, but – you know, for all three of them to see seven to five, I know we're not ringside, but of course we know ringside sometimes can block your view as well. And a punch that appears to land isn't landing, or vice versa. But I'm just happy that the right guy won. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Oh man, it's so great that the judges got it right." Because it, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know, you guys out there, some folks out there thought it was a seven to five fight and someone could say well I had eight to four so it's not that far off yeah I mean that's fair that's fair whatever I didn't see it a seven to five fight but like I said it is what it is um in the scorecards right from the jump all four of them or there's four now all three of them had Canelo four zero like I want to know did they just get this the first thing they sit down for the all right man this is gonna be a good fight let's sit down here let me get these scorecards filled out 10 9 10 9 10 9 and 10 9 okay let's get this puppy going because that's what it felt now am i on the side of well bibble swept the first four no and are there some close rounds that not a ton happen in them sure sure this is high level boxing that shit happens all the time but I'd be fine with 2-2. Shit, I mean, I'd be fine with 3-1 if it meant not 4-0 for Canelo. That was ridiculous. I think that's probably the – that kind of tells you right there. I don't – I don't. I think that's a bad way to start. 4-0? So you didn't see Bibble win one of those rounds. And I remember when Mora said, now, if I were him, I'm pretty sure he said something like this. If I were him, you know, I would just box – and not do much, and just, you already won the fight, don't even worry about it. Well, had he listened to Mora, we'd be sitting there, you know, pulling our heads out, uh, you know, protesting. We would be, you know, signing uh, petitions, you know what I mean? Because it'd be like, a draw? How do you see a draw out of that? Um, But anyway, um, yeah, I didn't see the first four rounds going that way. I think that's a basic thing. I don't think that's really a a crazy thing to see. But 2-2 is fine. Um, you know, that, that, that'll work for me. I, I, that's, that's fine. I did think Bibble won the first one though. Um, really the jab, um, you know, in, in a couple of like decent little combos in the last part of the round, probably won him that round. Um, and you know, 
kind of a story throughout the fight, but you know, the few right a few right hands that Canelo, you know, threw in that first round, you know, he missed. Um, I did think that he, he probably landed the better shot uh, in the second round, but it was a really close round. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to paint this picture like Bibble uh, 11-1 or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But I think the uppercuts and hooks were just the better shots in round two. Close round, though. Um, the left hooks, especially one or two of them from Bivol in the second round, Bivol, uh landed harder. That was enough for me to give it to him. Um, but, you know, in spots, Canelo did land a couple of good shots. I think there was a late uppercut in there as well. And then the fourth round, you know, um, another uppercut, slower round, though, another uppercut that landed pretty damn good. I think, I, I believe the better overall lands were probably the fall. But, um, you know, I guess you could say, well, maybe that one uppercut or a few shots maybe got it, whatever. Like I said, I'm cool with 2-2 if that's, if that's where you want to go with it. Or, or like I said, shit, even 3-1. But uh, then Dimitri really took over the fight from rounds 5 to 9. I had I gave him the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Um, you know, he stayed with that steady jab. We talked about he needs to be able to catch and shoot, and that's exactly what he did. Those subtle movements, the pivot. Um he didn't fall for too many traps as far as, you know, when Canelo kind of got desperate and was like, come on into the ropes. Although, like I said, if they do have a rematch, I think that you're going to see a jab to the stomach, move to the side, some sort of activity. Because even at, you know, when the fight was going on and I watched it late night after I got up work with somebody, I was like, hey, dude, just do a body shot or something. Because this is, you don't want to fall into this. You know, there'd be, especially that one time where Canelo's waving him in, and there's like 30 seconds no punching. It's like, dude, I understand Canelo's not landing, but Bivol, just throw a couple more shots, you know what I mean? Um, and that's really the little increment of, uh, uh, you know, something he could improve on. But that's really nitpicky at that point. Um, he was busier. Uh, he was just, you know, Canelo would have these little moments. He would land that uppercut. His overhand right landed sometimes, and they were both, by the way, blocking a lot of shots, especially early in the fight. But that started to be less and less, and Canelo started hitting, you know, getting hit with the flush shot. And his right, it seemed like he was trying to go for the overhand right or the roundhouse right so early. You know, It's like, well, you haven't even gotten your straight right hand through. You don't know if you can or not per se. Um, and then where was the body work from Canelo of seek and destroy and Canelo coming forward on a lot of these guys lately and just looking for one big shot or maybe a, a hook to the body and then up, up top, it's been working the body, though. It has been that. And now, I, you know, we could say that, and that's something he'd do, but like I said earlier, that might put him in line for too many counters, too. Um so, yeah, I thought he uh, – I mean, by seven and eight, you could say even earlier, but he was taking some really deep breaths in there, uh, Canelo. And, and, you know, um, there'd be times in a round where he'd land some hooks or uppercuts at the end, but it really didn't matter. There was times when, you know, Bibble started pushing him back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Canelo in the ninth round came out, like, active out of the gate. So I thought ninth round, okay, that's Canelo. That's for sure Canelo. 
And the coroner, you know, he was basically saying, like, do it for your country. And, like, I don't know. I mean, it was hard because I couldn't always hear what he was saying. But um, was he giving them the tools? I mean, once you're late in the fight, going to the body, sure, you could land a body shot and hurt somebody and all that. I'm not saying abandon it. But, you know, it just seemed like the jab and body work was not there. Um, but right away, Dimitri comes right back, 10th round. I thought he took the round. Um, a slower round again, not like, you know, there there was a bunch of action-packed rounds, right? Um, and then overall, the, in, the, in the 11th round, I thought the overall, you know, overall better shots. I mean, maybe you can give Canelo that one and then Bibble the 12th. Um, you know, he just landed the, the – he was just more steadier. He landed the harder shot. Uh, some good little combos. Um, whereas Canelo, once again, I mean, this is kind of him, but he would land hooks and uppercuts, but then there'd be spots where he wasn't landing. You know, so overall, you know, 9-3, uh, 8-3-1, um, you know, 8-4 uh, max. I mean, it, to me, 8-4 max, obviously, they all had 115-113. And when you look at the punch stats, 150 to 84. You didn't even land 100 punches. Um, and it's 710 to 495. And 17% you landed on. It's crazy on Bivol. Keep saying Bivol. For a while it was Bivol, Bivol, whatever. Um, and, and 21% on the other end. So defensively that was another thing that like I said, both of them had you know plenty of times where they were blocking shots. Um or at least their guard was doing that, maybe not like going out there and actively blocking a jab or whatever. But, um, you know, it was just a complete performance. And a lot of the things that we we were wondering if Bivol, you know, was he going to handle the body shots? What happens when he gets lit up? Is he just going to put his guard up like we've seen before and sit there and shell up? Well, that's going to be problems. That's going to be problems against uh, a guy like Canelo, especially where he was at, you know, last few fights where that style he kind of basically we talked about the, the second Golovkin fight right and and then activity and I'd say 710 punches like I said were there a, a couple times in the or maybe I don't know four or five times in the fight in a round where I'm like Bibble just throw something dude just you know throw a, a right hand to the body and move to the left or you know just do something just stay active and do something, dude. Don't give up this round. Sure, you could you could nitpick, and I think that that's probably what they're going to do when they watch the tape. But you know, the 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 this guy Dimitri in 2017, 18. You know, I think people would have said Canelo's not going to beat this guy, especially after the Kovalev fight in 2019. But time goes by, performances, you know, get recorded. We can watch them again if we didn't watch them live. And it skews your mind a little bit. But it's not just skewing your mind. I mean, you did see stuff you thought, ugh. And like I said, was his career in neutral? Was his fighting style in neutral? Was the positive stuff he can do in a ring just neutral? Or was it reversed? Did he take a step back all the way in that stuff? And I thought, I think a lot of us thought, I took a step back instead of just neutral trying to fight, or like I said, not putting it in the fifth gear ever. Um, he really did it. He did it. And it was, like I said, I said it earlier in the show, 
Uh, kind of interested to hear, uh, you know, John's about to pop on here. Kind of interested to hear what he says. But, um, you know, we did talk about how why not get all the stuff you need to get done at 68 and then go to 75 for the legacy. Where was Bibble going? Is Bibble going to retire next year? Probably not. Well, now we know he's not. But you know what I mean? Those fights were there. Why not fight Golovkin? You could have fought Golov- You could have fought Charlo in May, September Golovkin, and then go fight whoever in December, John Ryder or whatever. That was the rumored name, um, and then fight Benavides next, you know, May, and then go up. You know what I mean? Uh, so my point. The reason why I say that, okay, he he dared to be great. He you know whatever. You could say he dared to be great. You could say he undervalued Bibble. But we'd have to say a bunch of us did then. Let's not forget about that. But my point is, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, like I mentioned earlier, after the Kovalev fight, he said that 68 is his weight. He didn't feel great at 75, and his body didn't look the same exact way at 68 and 75. I don't think so. I think he should go back to 68. But like I said also, if Bibble goes down to 68 and he's healthy, I think he beats him. I think stylistically he beats him. I think he's got the only thing in the rematch, especially if it's at 75, but just in general, the only thing in the rematch I think you'll get, uh, you know, you'll have an 8-4 to four or maybe a 9-3 to three card in there, uh, official judge-wise. I don't think Canelo can make enough adjustments to win this fight. So on one hand I'm saying 75, it does seem like, 68 better for him, just the way his body looked. But that's not, I'm not trying to make an excuse for him because I think Bibble beats him at 68. And you know, he's already said that, that he could go to 68. And we heard that in the past. I'll go down to fight him at 68. Now, the longer you stay at 75, you don't want to do the Chad Dawson either. Because remember, Dawson said for a while, he said on this podcast and many other ones, and after fights, I'm gonna, I can fight at 68, no problem. And I think he said, what, he rehydrate like 185 or 183 or something? You know, Bivol's not a huge, huge guy at light heavyweight. So I'm not trying to say the weight was the difference, but I do think 68 fits better for him. Um, Personally, that's my opinion. I think he's probably a little quicker. Uh, His body, it's just a little tighter. That's all. That's all. But like I said, Bivol-wise, not. Uh, and then another thing I want to uh, talk about, and I understand Eddie's got to do his job, uh, Hearn, he's a promoter, right? But the whole putting uh, Alexander Usyk in the same sentence with Canelo, hey, great, great work, uh, Eddie. You got to do what you got to do as a promoter. Uh, remember, uh, you know, uh, Bob Arum, he, he did that with Pacquiao, he did that with Crawford. He would skip literally skip like Floyd, Roy Jones, the whole four kings and go Muhammad Ali, right? He said that about Loma too, you know? I get it. You, you know, you put that in the same sentence, right? But let's fucking completely take up Alexander Usyk at cruiserweight, at heavyweight, uh, on a different planet, whatever it is, that shit was goofy to talk about, seriously anyway. And now, come on, dude. Like, if he doesn't, if he feels like he's at 75, like he had said 
not just after this fight, but, you know, in the Kovalev fight. Think about it, you know, at 201 or whatever he said, you know. Um, that shit was ridiculous. Shit was ridiculous. And, you know, they did have it planned to Eddie Hearn. We heard rumors, but Eddie Hearn now said it today on IFL TV that they were going to announce it right there in the ring. Now, Golovkin, I don't believe, was there, was he? But they were going to announce it. So, which I get it. That's what it is. But, you know, some folks are saying, well, some people are saying he cherry-picked Bibble. But that doesn't really line up. But there was clearly something they were comfortable with with the matchup. Clearly. Right? Clearly. Because he could have made more money fighting other people, including Golovkin. I'm not just trying to say Charlo and Benavides, including Golovkin, just straight up, just done a one-off with them. Or, like I said, take the Charlo fight, let uh, Golovkin do his, uh, you know, his unification or whatever, and then fight him in September. Uh, now, I'm not going to dog him for that because, he, you know, it was a legacy fight. He, he took a risk. He lost. No big deal. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, he's fighting Golovkin next. He's going to tuck his tail. That's not what I'm going to say. Putting the promoter cap on, putting the manager cap on, you know, we've said that before he signed any deal, that, hey, man, just get your business done at 68. There's no point in going up and down and up and down. It's not like Bivol was for more money than you were going to get. You know what I mean? So, but if that uh, New York Times um, article that said he took $15 million up front banking on the rest of the money coming from the pay-per-view sales, that's crazy. Now, we don't know the pay-per-view numbers. We'll never know the exact pay-per-view numbers, right? But we don't even have a vague thing of it right now. But to me, that's wild. And that either sh- that shows two things. Wow, Canelo, you really did that, but also you, you were mismanaged at that point, too. Because it's like, damn, dude. So you could have literally just went and got a for sure 45 mil to fight Charlo and then whatever the fuck they're paying him, which has got to be a lot for Golovkin. Um, so that tells you... Canelo, you know, and it, and it kind of uh, reiterates because not too long ago, we flashed back a couple of years from now, you know, a couple of years, a lot of people were saying, oh, Canelo, you know, Canelo, you know, he's not going to fight Golovkin, he's, he's ducking him, he's this, he's that. A lot of people had a lot to say about Canelo until he was more active. But if we're being honest about that title run in, at 168, that's damn good. But I think you know, Callum, Billy Joe Saunders, a plant. I'd like to see Golovkin, Charlo, and Benavides. I think that's a more impressive run. Now, maybe in the ring it won't be. Um, so, you know, on one hand, people that used to dog Canelo are now going, oh, don't dog him. Well, what the fuck? You were fucking dogging him and Cotto back then for your boy Golovkin. So it's always that bullshit that we got to hear. Uh, and I'm talking about media members mostly and part-time media members. I'm not talking about the fans. Fans are going to be fans. But I see that a lot, uh, just putting that out there. But it shows you my point uh, ultimately is that fighters, a lot of fighters aren't afraid to fight people. And they're going to listen to whatever's best for them. They think is best for them, too, for their management. But like I said, putting on a promoter's cap, putting on a manager's cap, um, that probably wasn't the best thing if you took that short of money. Now, who knows? Maybe they say this thing did 800000 I would be very surprised, though, at that if it did 800000 And I think uh, Eddie did his job. 
right? Because if they only had to pay $15 million up front, that's fucking slick as shit for Eddie and, and uh, the zone. That's an if. That's an if. That's based off a report that was sourced, but we don't know if that's 100% factual. Um, we do know, basically, we don't know the gate uh, 100%, but we do have a, a vague, not vague, we have a, a pretty much, we know it didn't do what it did last fight. So you start to go, huh, interesting. You know, this this is very interesting. So uh, kudos for Canelo for taking this risk. Double kudos if he's going to take the rematch, um, especially if it's at 75. But if <laughs> I do love how Bivol is putting the pressure on and saying, I'll go down to 68 to fight all those belts. That's crazy. But uh, overall... Oh, another thing about the rematch, uh, I do hear, well, Eddie Hearn is, you know, would be in control of it, you know, for the most part anyway. Obviously, uh, you know, Canelo has a lot of say and whatnot, but uh, he's saying that the rematch is monster now. And it's like, and I, I, I heard him say, well, dude, the, the Ruiz, Joshua, hold, hold on, hold on. First of all, people were, that was a fucking, you know, Ruiz got, first of all, they're slugging. Ruiz got knocked down, got back up, started slugging his ass. The, the, the look of both those fighters in the ring is fucking wild, right? And the average Joe is going to be like, yeah, that's my guy Ruiz because he looked like he just fixed my plumbing. You know what I'm saying? So when you start, and, and even, you know, in the U.K., boxing is basically not year-round, but basically – at times, and a lot of times, the second biggest sport over there. Well, here, dude, that fight was not competitive in the ring. That was not a, uh, could have been a draw. That wasn't that, right? Nobody got knocked down. Uh, nobody got hurt, hurt. Now, you can say people got buzzed. That's cool. But from a casual perspective, that's not a monster all of a sudden. That's not going to double, you know, that's not going to double in sales. Um, so I do not believe that's some kind of monster that's going to be out of control and, oh, my God, that he's going to rematch him. I mean, because, you know, in American fans, where boxing is at the niche level and, and we get casuals that we barely activate throughout the year, it's just different here, dude. That That's not a – like, and I'm, I got a message, someone saying, well, you know, Fury Wilder did, you know, way more in the rematch, dude. Did you see the fucking fight? Did you see what happened in the drama part of that fight? That was drama. That got everybody's attention. You know when people got their attention on this fight? When they read the shit, oh my God, Canelo lost? When's the last time he lost, Floyd? That's what got the attention. So, and not only that, but the rematch was like one of the most marketed fights in recent times, dude. I mean, clearly. So, yeah, that helped it, too. The drama. Wilder was already a, 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 a growing name here. If you look at, you know, Ortiz, that gate with or, him and Ortiz rematch. And you just look at the following. He was starting to amass. And then Fury came over here. And they put on some drama in the ring. Now, you know, a lot of hardcores that watch this fight, I loved what I saw. I thought it was fun at times. I thought... You know, the, the strategic, the technical stuff that Dimitri was doing. That shit does it for me, too. You know, I like a variety of different fights, but casuals are not going to be – oh, he already – did he get 
did he get beat already? This isn't like, and I'm not saying, let's say the thing gets 600,000. Let's just say, right? Could it do 650 or 675? Sure. Could it do 525? Yeah. Is the gate going to double or is the gate, look at the gate from, uh, we're talking about Wilder Fury. You know, the first one, I think it was like three and a half million. And then it did like 17 or whatever, 18. It's not going to, it's not, it's not that, dude. It's just not. It's not going to, it's, rematches on pay-per-view, some of them have done better, or just kind of like I just explained, like uh, like Mayweather Maidana, that did better, but it wasn't like it, it did 500,000 buys better. You know what I mean? It's not like the rematch is going to do a million. Saw a one-sided fight that didn't have much drama, didn't have much two-way, you know? So... That that that's what I think about the rematch in it being a monster. I don't I don't see the rematch being a monster. I'm not saying there's not gonna be any interest in it. I mean I'll be interested in it because damn Canelo, holy shit, you're really gonna take this rematch on, you know? And I'll say this, if it's at one sixty eight and it's for undisputed, the marketing behind undisputed could kick in and so they're I'm not saying it couldn't do a little better. I think it could. But I also think it could do a little worse. I'm not saying a drop-off, major drop-off. But anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John to see what's going on with him, get his take on everything. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris. Good to be here. Enjoyed listening to your recap and take on everything as always. And, of course, uh, you know, big news over the weekend in terms of upset to to talk about and uh, it's interesting when we talk about takes on it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, I'm seeing some things here and there I agree with from people out there, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things I don't agree with also with, with people going overboard and I agree with a lot of the stuff you said, but they're really, as, as we'll say in kind of modern parlance, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack from the Canelo Bivol this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting my piece in there too, and just just adding to some of the really adding to just all the points you touched upon already, because I think you're you're getting to the getting to the major points. Um, but first of all, I, I thought of you with the scoring of the fight in the first four rounds, and a lot of the things we've been talking about in uh, in recent months, because I thought it I thought actually it was a good example. Now, um, and I'm starting to look at some of these rounds uh, like, like the way you'll put them where, you know, you, you really, you kind of got to mark them down and say, yeah, this could, this could, this could go either way. You know, this is the way I'm going to score this round, but it could go either way. And see, to me, that's the first four rounds of this fight. So um, sure, that's why I look at that. I look at that a little different than you just in the sense that, but it fits in something I've been talking about a lot. Now, don't get me wrong in the first four rounds, by no means was Canelo dramatically effective. But I did think in the first four rounds, that was one of those examples where this is pro boxing. And, you know, Bivol's getting a lot of credit. He did beat the guy who was regarded as the best pound for pound. And, you know, the pound for pound thing is getting silly, so we can even throw that part out of there. But, you know, one of the top fighters in boxing, uh, one of the biggest attractions, no doubt about that. So, um you know, it was big. But, again, in the first four rounds where I thought it was that a good example where this is pro-boxing is Canelo's moving forward, 
and B-ball is kind of being just B-ball, maybe a hair more active than he usually is, but, you know, he's, he's playing it very cautious. He's, he's not throwing anything hard uh, at all. He's throwing arm punch jabs and arm punches, you know, when he throws. And, you know, people like to pull out some clips here or there, B-ball in the fight, and, and even those clips that, that people pull out, I don't think, frankly, convince me that much. I, I see him landing a couple of good shots and missing some, but those weren't, they weren't in the first four rounds either. You know I mean? So, um, you know, for me in the first four rounds, it was dull. It was kind of what you and I had talked about when you were getting into that type of thing where like, you know, if, if B-ball, I'm just making up the numbers here, but, but they probably weren't that far off. You know, if B-ball, if B-ball's throwing 12, you know, landing 12 punches and their jabs and arm punches and Canelo's, you know, landing six, but like you pointed out, and I agree, and I don't think people are mentioning this after the fight. Now, again, especially in the first four rounds, the problem is it was one at a time, but Canelo, when he was, he was, when he got that uppercut in, he was landing the hardest punch of the round. I mean, you know, yeah. the Canelo haters especially don't want to talk about that. But, you know, in the first four rounds, don't get me wrong, it was only one punch. It wasn't dramatic. It was the kind of dull fight you and I had talked about right when we were closing. But it, it was hard. Week. Right. And, 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 right, Canelo landed something hard. So I thought, you know, that's where I'm not going to get on the judges like everybody else. And people get these narratives going, and they want you to just accept it. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't give Bivol two of those rounds and have a 2-2. I could see that. But I do think there was a case in that first four where, just like you said, with Canelo, you know, it was those rounds that he, he would land the uppercut that was the hardest shot of the round. He was the aggressor. Not much was else was happening. And, you know, I've said it a million times on here, and, and I still believe that it's pro boxing. If, if the aggression is at all effectiveness, just, just to have a sport, I think you've got to, um, you know, give it to the aggressor. So, you know, all three judges had a 4-0 Canelo. I mean, I, I don't think it was fixed. I don't think it was conspiracy. I don't think those rounds were dramatic or decisive by any means, but I could see a reasonable judge just saying with all of the rounds being close, don't get me wrong. None of them were decisive for anybody. I mean, to me either. I mean, I didn't have like the first four decisively for Canelo. And I'm going to say I didn't even give him the first four, but I think I might've had it three, one Canelo out of the first four, just sure for what I'm describing that, you know, I easily yeah. could have you know given two to Bivol and two to Canelo and, and I, you know, I could see where it wasn't dramatic. There wasn't much to choose from, but I don't think that was outrageous. But then, I did see it the way you saw it—that you know, it just got to that point. And and you know, again, to the judges' credit, I think then they were seeing it that way too. I mean, you know, Canelo just wasn't—you know—it was getting to where he just wasn't doing anything. And and you know, even though you got a slant to the aggressor. That's where, for me, it shifts like everybody else. I mean, if a guy's arm punching and jabbing and, and, and ultra-cautious, but you just get to the point where the other guy's not doing anything and not being all that e- effective with, with the aggression, if being aggressive at all, because Canelo started trying to counter some, um, you know, then I'm, then I'm giving rounds to B-ball, you know, but I don't think – I think, you know, we talked about going in. I think we kind of had this fight mostly pegged. I mean, I, I didn't pick the, the ball. I'm not changing. I thought if he stepped it up like he did, say, Sullivan, Barrera, and before that, 
I thought he could definitely win this fight, but I just didn't think he was going to do that mentally. And, you know, ultimately, I did have him win in the fight, but, you know, I, I don't think he really did that. I think he did a little bit of that. Like, I think he was, you know. He did enough. He, he moved his, he did enough, right. And he moved his arms more than he did in, like, these la- those last three dull performances before that against lesser opposition where he was winning every round, but it was dull. He was way too cautious. He wasn't landing power shots. Uh it was a hair. It was, but it, but I think people are getting carried away. Even though a win over Canelo is really meaningful and the upset significant, I don't think he was that much different than the Bivol we've been seeing. You know, when he became the it wasn't Mayweather Canelo. It wasn't no, a masterclass, exactly. including head shaking, you know, punches more than uh, here and there. And that's where I have a problem because. You know, you saw some of that after Usyk Joshua, and I did think Usyk beat Joshua as well. But in that fight, I thought it was even, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it was a different type of fight. But yet, I thought you had some of that. Now, to Usyk's credit, you know, he, he has good head movement and and he does use his feet, but but he doesn't do that jumping in and out that much. He's more stamina, does move his hands a lot, good head movement, will you know step around things like that. But Bivol was doing that, you know recent vintage classic top amateur stuff, which you especially saw with the Cubans and the former Soviet bloc countries, like we've talked about with the in and out. Now, to his credit, he cut down on that a little bit. He wasn't wasn't doing the straight jumping in and out quite as bad as he had been doing. But, you know, I'll tell you something, though, I didn't like where he gets too much credit. Like, you know, you you could show this highlight as well. I mean, when, when Canelo is then trying to make him counter and Bivol won't go in, but he's not doing any punching. He's just standing right. out there. And then Canelo oh. is literally putting his hands at his waist and saying, you know, come on, dude, <laughs> throw some yeah. punches. We're not, you know, kind of the body language of we're not fighting here. Yeah. We, right. we know maybe Canelo wants it to step up a little bit, but, but to me, it's not a master class by Bivol. It's, it's not this genius boxing where he's so cautious you know, he won't even then throw his best shots or the shots he feels most comfortable in when Canelo's just on the ropes giving it to him. Because I've seen a lot of good boxers, a lot of really good fighters in that situation where maybe a guy wants to draw him in or they're frustrating him a little. And then they'll be in that spot and they won't just not throw anything like Bivol did. You know, like, come on, let's just, you have to fight, you know, the way I'm fighting. Like, they'll, they'll pick their best shots and get something in anyway. You know, they, they right. don't do exactly what the guy wants them to do, but they'll, they'll get something in with the opportunity. So right, you still move thought, your hands. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a bad – I actually thought that was a bad look. That was no master class genius to me. Um, but, but I just thought as the fight went on, Cadella wasn't doing that much. Like we thought might happen. Bivol was doing a hair more. He was doing a little more than I thought he might do. I mean, for me, that's kind of – I know what changed it. Canelo was doing, I mean, for me, ultimately, that was the margin is, you know, Canelo was doing like a little less than I thought even he'd do in the boring fight. And in the boring fight, Bivol was doing a, not dramatically more. I still didn't see that Sullivan Barrera guy. And before that, uh, and some of that opposition was decent enough that I, I just think the guy did, did even Saturday night, he's, he's just become more cautious. 
did do a little better with it. I'll give that to him. And and I had it like you too. And you know, to their credit, the three the three judges I believe did have it that way. Then I thought, as everybody else did, the three judges like you did, and all the Bivol fans. I this part I thought the same. I mean, it just got to like to the last three where it was like, you know, Canelo, you you gotta do something. I mean, you gotta do something. But I'd throw something else out there that I thought kind of fit higher level of fighters, higher level of fight. But, you know, it almost reminded me a little bit of like the Mikey Garcia, Sandor Martin. People thought, who know what they're talking about, speculated. Well, Canelo was frustrated and he knew he was beat and he just didn't get, he just gave up and didn't want to do something. I didn't really see it that way. I thought it was, yeah, he had some frustration, you know, wasn't really the kind of fight he wanted. Sure. But, I think he did, you know, look, and I don't, they can show clips, uh, you know, snip, tiny snippets here all they want out of a 12 full rounds. Canelo wasn't getting hurt by this guy. You know, the guy wasn't landing big shots. He won the fight. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I think it was like that Mikey Garcia, Sandor Martin fight where Canelo's been kind of plodding along thinking, you know, this guy's not hurting me. I, I may, you know, I think he knew it was probably somewhat close like Mikey Garcia did, but probably just thought, hey, you know, I, I might be able to just go 12 here. This guy's not hurting me. Uh, I might just get the decision. I think it was more like that. And, you know, he didn't get it, deservedly so. Now, I'll also say, I mean, did I think it was, seven, like you said, I agree with you. Did I think it myself it was 7-5? to five? No, I didn't think it was 7-5, to five, but put me in the 8-4 camp with, Okay, so if the judges sure. gave one more round to Canelo and it was 115, 113, uh, I, I, to me, that wasn't the story of the fight. Yes, it was, a, it was a round closer than I thought, but I'm not going to worry about it that much. I kind of, that's why I get yeah. it from you a little bit. I, I actually, I'm in the minority, but the vast minority on this one, but I'm kind of in the, the right guy, one camp, you know. I mean, sure. we had people swearing Canelo can't lose in Vegas. I mean, then it changes when he does right, lose, yeah. you know, that. Well, and we I, mentioned I those the Kovalev scorecards, anyway. too. I, Remember, we I mentioned like those scorecards score. from Kovalev last week, too. Those are tight as hell. Right. And it was similar. I mean, it was that type of a thing. It, it really was, because Canelo wasn't throwing all that Kovalev. And, you know, I, I one of the few takes I did agree with after the fight was, you know, I saw from a couple of people and I hadn't seen it right after the fight, but then within a few days, which I do agree with, you know, Canelo got by in the, you know, Saunders and the plant fight, so to speak, and Kovalev where, you know, then, then he landed the power, you know, he hadn't been doing that for a while earlier before those fights, but then, you know, he landed the power and that did it for him. So he was able to go low volume, relatively speaking, but that's the way he fights. You know, he's not really a high-volume guy, and we said that last week. You know, we're not saying that after the fact. We said that. And Even when that wasn't his is, style to come forward, he's never been a high-volume unless we're talking way back, you know? Right. He's never been a high-volume guy. He just It's just not his style. He likes to do some countering. He doesn't like to go high-volume. I do agree with the takes and some of, some, of the, some of the takes a little bit after. I thought I agreed with the takes that, he was he was waiting on power. He's been a low volume guy, and there's a risk to that. I agree with that take. 
uh, him and Reynoso probably did miscalculate going in that, you know, Bivol hasn't been down. He's very defensive. He's very cautious. And he, you know, and he is a light heavy. I think Canelo can handle the weight. I may be in the minority there, but I mean, this is one fight. He didn't get hurt. Uh, he didn't get dropped. You know, uh, he just lost the decision. The guy wasn't leaning on him. The guy wasn't muscling him. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really go on that, but I thought Canelo did show, and, you know, a light heavyweight, let's face it, he, he's carrying more weight around. He doesn't have to get in maybe as good a shape for his height. And he did look gassed. I mean, he did look gassed. The volume wasn't there. But we've seen him do that sometimes in fights. We haven't seen him do it as much in recent fights, but we've seen it. I did think the draw was fair and Golovkin won, but it also reminded me in that fight in terms of Canelo, Canelo's ebbs and flows because, again, other people are going to take it differently. But I thought in, in Golovkin won, Canelo started strong. And then he, in the middle of that fight, he did look like this fight. Even though Golovkin and Bivol are different fighters, I think even with the lower weight, Golovkin you know, bangs harder. He's more aggressive. Um, he's not as cautious. Uh, not as good defensively as Bivol, though, either. But I thought it looked like that. But then the difference with Golovkin won in this fight was then I thought, you know, in Golovkin won late, Canelo's, Canelo's camp was telling him correctly, like, you know, you got to pick it up now. Uh, Reynoso telling him correctly. And Canelo acting on it. And I thought, you know, Canelo in that fight did go for it and finish strong enough. But he did not do that Saturday night. So that was something different that we kind of haven't seen before because even though it wasn't pretty, even in Lara, you know, it was all, all really to, a lot to the body. But you could see in that fight too, Canelo knowing like, you know, I, I got to move my hands enough. You know, I got I to gotta pick it up some in these later rounds. And it was body. It wasn't dramatic, but I did think it was enough to pull that fight out. He did not. You know, to me, just like everybody else, he did not do that Saturday night. So when you're talking about possible rematches, things like that, conditioning a possibility. Also, I'm not – and people thought when I was tweeting this, I'm just raising it as a question. I'll raise it again. The guy turned pro when he was like 15. He's 31. We did all consider him at his peak or near it, you know, including myself, the way he was looking. But, hey, it can change quickly. I'm not saying this means he's in decline, but we're going to find that out. In other words, if he doesn't look good in the next two fights, you got to put it in the formula. You got to put it in the equation. You got to at least mention it. You got to, that's what I think. You got to mention it, that it's, it's a possibility. It's conditioning is a possibility. You know, people just want to say about the light heavyweight thing, but look, Kovalev was Kovalev more worn out than Bivol, of course, but he still was a legit, you know, top three light heavy legitimately when Canelo beat him, even though, you know, of course he had to work for both times, but, you know, he did come off the Alvarez win. He did knock Yard out. He was in trouble before that, but he did stop him. Uh, So, you know, he wasn't wasn't done yet, and Canelo KO'd him. And like you said, close fight on the cards, you know, rightfully so. Uh, And, you know, he, he landed on, on Saunders. He landed on Plant. You know, that led to those fights ending. Not saying he wasn't going to win them on the cards, but, you know, they weren't like that. Now, the one you look at is Callum Smith just was not offering anything up, and, you know, he's a 6'3 guy. Um, 
you know, that one Canelo was just kind of the guy more active. That's kind of the outlier in some of the recent performances, but uh, he, Canelo did not do that. I mean, probably because he's in with a better defensive fighter. I mean, I'll agree with that too, uh, because, you know, Callum Smith can be cautious too, but he's not as good as Bivol defensively, but, uh, you know, he, he's not the most aggressive guy either in a lot of his fights, but Canelo was able to, to solve that, but you know, he couldn't, couldn't do it uh, this week. Um, I agree with you. You know, it, it's hard, but I agree with you on this. And I've been thinking about this a lot the past few days. Cause you know, I have been a fan of Canelo, uh, you know, since he was first coming up, just, you know, always liking what I, I saw out of him. And, you know, even though you can criticize some of it and he's the money guy, you really can't argue that he still fought the toughest schedule in the sport. But with all that understood, yeah. you know, I, I really can't argue with some of the detractors that even though Bivol is a difficult and skilled opponent, I'm with you, you know, I think he sat down with Renoso and, you know, they really, like you said, there's other routes he could have taken. I, I think that they, I think that they got too smart for their own good where they, they just did do some of a miscalculation where, you know, we, we can beat this guy. He fits our formula and the odds makers agreed with him. Now I thought Bivol hadn't been looking as good, but I always thought it had the potential to be competitive and, you know, the right Bivol, showing up might be able to beat him i don't even think though this was as good of a bivol showing up as i thought it was going to take to beat him because uh you know canelo didn't quite perform up to his standards which you know see for me i don't it is part canelo style but i don't think it's necessarily that he couldn't handle light heavy but at his fight height you know five eight five nine ish somewhere in there he's, he's got to have more volume than that you know i mean you take a guy who was a, a good boxer at five, six, and three quarters, of course, really an underrated, you know, legend at this point, you know, Dwight Muhammad Cowie, the former Dwight Braxton, you know, he, he was, he had nuance, as I've heard some people accurately say, historians, uh, and, and, you know, moved his head, but, but he was com- he was coming at you, you know what I mean? Like, right. he's coming at you throwing punches, and he's even throwing a jab. At, at five, six, and three quarters. This is what Canelo's not doing. And, and these are the things that, you know, in theory, he has the tools to do it in a rematch. Yeah. It's, you know, with him, he it's almost. throw the jab all the time. <laughs> you yeah, know? he's underrated jab. He's got good head movement. Uh, and, you know, he's got, he's got power. He, he, he's able to punch in combinations. But there, there does seem, the detractors have said this, and you kind of, have seen this throughout his career that it's is getting where you can't totally ignore it with him. Sometimes it, it may be just the stamina issue where, you know, he, he likes to counter and do that because he just doesn't like to go at that pace and really let his hands go in combination and really put the pressure. And now in modern boxing, a lot of fighters don't want to do that. That's become common, but you know, with Canelo's physical makeup, I mean, I, I think he can fight, because, you know, let's face it, 168, seven pounds, that wasn't even a class in the original eight. I don't think it's that dramatically different like people are making out. I just think he's got to – he's going to fight light heavyweights, though. It's got, it's got to be more of a different – it's got to be more of a different style where, you know, he's got to, he's got to be more active and, and more, more aggressive, and he's got to let his hands yeah, he's move more. Got to get inside. Got to – right. Got to get inside, things like that. And like you said, Chris, last week, 
and I think you end up being right. I still have total faith in Canelo as a combination puncher, but that was another reason why he lost. There were no combinations from Canelo in this fight. I mean, it was just all one punch at a time. Matter of fact, I don't, I agree with some of the takes a few days after a fight like that. I, you know, he was one punch at a time. I don't think I've ever seen him that much one punch at a time, uh, even with these fights where sometimes it did drop uh, yeah. off. I mean, he wasn't. Because yeah, usually they're two punch at a time, one to the body, one up, front, you know, up top. Exactly. Like, you know, um, that's even, you go back to Gano, uh, Golovkin 1, which even though with the different styles, I thought just the way Canelo performed, there was some similarities, not completely similar, sure. but some. When he did open up, right, it wasn't one punch at a time. He had the times in the middle rounds particularly where he did almost give away the fight because I didn't think he did. In the end, I thought he was good enough early and rallied enough late. But he did put himself, to me, even in jeopardy of you know letting that fight get away and, and to his own corner. Um, he looked like that some Saturday, but you know he didn't have the rally Saturday. But my other take on it, too, is like you said, I don't think this is being discussed enough. I mean, I, you know, my feeling, looking at the circumstantial evidence going in and afterward, I mean, I just don't think this was successful as an event. Um, you know, you had bars showing the UFC instead. It's not that, that that's unusual nowadays, but, you know, this is, this is Canelo. I mean, this is boxing's top star. You know, I talked about where you had Shakur Stevenson, who was originally from Newark, and then you had the Serrano Taylor fight in MSG. I saw a lot of New York, New Jersey area media on that that you don't usually see on boxing. I was uh, in Jersey this weekend, you know, going back and forth there, West Virginia. I've been in Jersey, was in Jersey for the fight last weekend. I mean, I saw nothing. You know, I saw nothing. I saw no media. Nobody was talking about it. I mean, you know, this this is, you know, one of the major metro areas in the whole country, which has a boxing history. Of course, it's not like it was here either, but still, I can sometimes gauge with that. I mean, nobody brought it up afterward. Nobody was talking about it. I, you know, I'd imagine on the West Coast, maybe Canelo being more popular there, you would have some talk, but but there was just none here. And to have a to have a traditional boxing area just with none. Uh, I'm not saying anecdotal though, but still, like you pointed out too. I mean, this 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 I found like laughable. I mean, the New York Times reports that Canelo got a 15 million guarantee, you know, with with a huge pay per view portion that he upside would get it, right upside. Yeah. But then, then you had these people, these Hearn fans. Oh no, that that the New York Times is wrong. <laughs> well, right. I mean, it's, I don't mean the New York Times is right every time. That's not my point. But right. we're getting into the fake news stuff, the brainwashing. I mean, you right. can't. In either I mean, way, not, then that means you guaranteed him more. Then you know that means you guaranteed yeah, I mean, him forty mil. Then you know. So either way, it's not going to be a good look. Yeah, and and you can't sit out there with no sources, none, and say the New York Times oh, yeah, is just no, wrong. True. I, I mean, you know, come on. I mean, until you're going to show me a source. That's better. I, I got to take that as accurate. I mean, when well, Ed so, usually likes to talk about the gate and stuff like that, maybe he's not going to give exact numbers, but he wasn't talking much after about success. Yeah, nobody nobody picked up on it, but I thought it was a good point. 
tweeted it out there. Nobody really picked up on it, but it's worth bringing up again, especially with what we're talking about. You know, Pugmire, then USA Today reported like the day of the fight or the day before the fight. You know, he had Hearn interviewed with a lot of these issues, not the specifics, but I thought it was a pretty good interview. And this might be the lawyer in me, but I think it's accurate. Like, if you read Hearn's quotes when Pugmire was talking to him about Canelo and the money, you know, and him, you know, working with Hearn, taking this fight, you know, Hearn's response was, it's, you know, was something along these lines, like, you know, it's Canelo. He cares about the belts and the legacy. He doesn't care about the money. He doesn't want to be out there, you know, fighting where there's not a belt on the line. In other words, you could read into what wasn't there with what he was saying. You know, he wasn't saying, I made, right. you know, I got Canelo $55 million or I got Canelo a pay-per-view deal and a guarantee he couldn't refuse that nobody could match, you know, right. on Eddie Hearn. The numbers it that was, we already have for orders are high or whatever. Right, right. It was that, you know, Canelo's about, he's about belts and leg, you know, he's about belts and legacy. I can deliver him the belts and the leg, you know. And I just thought, you know, that's Hearn tippy-toeing around it. He He's not saying straight out in print that this was just the best money deal for the guy. So, and, you know, again, they know they know what they're doing, but, but everybody makes mistakes. I mean, you know, Canelo's on Mexican free TV. I mean, that, that's what he does in Mexico. You know, he's in the U.S. a lot. I mean, you know, Reynoso's with them. They've you know, done some recent deals. But I, I, I think that, you know, I, I mean, they just might have thought that mistakenly, I think, that, that you know, on a DAZN pay-per-view, because this is the first DAZN pay-per-view, yeah, that they were going to do numbers that just weren't going to happen from a DAZN pay-per-view. And uh, you saw, again, this is people, I think rightfully so, though, this is how you do sometimes solve cases or prove cases with circumstantial evidence. You know, the video was tweeted out today of the Barstool Sports guy. Now, that's an alternate right. DAZN broadcast, but he says basically the numbers were embarrassing. <laughs> and it really didn't line up. Because Jake Paul makes more sense barstool than you know than the than this one, if you think about it, right. you know what I mean? Exactly. But yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. a good point. But it didn't fit. But I was thinking that that's another piece of circumstantial evidence. So right, I'm starting to think it may have been that Canelo just got 15 million from Hearn and probably just about all that DAZN pay per view, and that would make sense to me too because that's how DAZN could in their mind, be avoiding the mistakes they made earlier on yep. where they got Canelo, but they And they think Golovkin, them, so. we'll make the money on Golovkin. We'll right, so they're saying, they okay, the Canelo, you know, we'll pay you, basically, we'll pay you $15 million, you know, through Hearn, and you keep all the pay-per-view. We'll, we'll just put it on pay-per-view, and then we say we got Canelo. And and, and right. I, I just don't, I mean, Bivol had, since he had been on HBO, which, you know, that shows you how long ago it was, He's had zero U.S. exposure that meant anything. Right. Zero. I mean, not only was he on the zone in the U.S., he was buried on her in undercards. He was fighting below Campbell Hatton. I mean, you know, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm not joking. No, you're here. right. I forgot about that. I mean, if I recall <laughs> correctly, he was beneath Campbell No, you're Campbell right. Hatton. I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty yeah, sure you're I, I right. Mean, so, so if he was beneath <laughs> Campbell Hatton in the U.K., in the UK 
what the hell kind of exposure did he have did he have in the U.S.? Nothing. Why I'm getting to that is Caleb Plant had a big rating yep. on FS1. He made a lot of – people don't get that. They, it's just basic marketing 101. When your product gets exposed, yep. marketed, uh-huh. it brings more to the table. It brings you more dollars. Of course, Canelo is the – pay-per-view star the money guy but it matters who his dance partner is that's it right isn't a thing where his, his dance partner doesn't mean partner doesn't mean anything at all and that's what yep. the bivol was the equivalent of and and i was thinking of uh i was thinking of little joking i couldn't help it then when i thought about it too for poor demetrius andrade i thought you know eddie yeah. Hearn, the, the rest of the crew started from the bottom now they're here except for demetrius andrade I mean, he right. got Callum Smith paid, Billy Joe yep. Saunders paid, he got um, Demetrius Bivol paid. paid. Yeah, yep. <laughs> he got all those guys paid. He, he didn't. He didn't get Andrade paid. Um, but but you know, Hearn's what I'm what I'm hitting at is sure Hearn likes the prestige of working with Canelo and and bringing him to the zone, who he's got to deal with. But he's getting his guys paid. Yep. He's getting yeah, his exactly. guys paid. You know, it's not like in other words, he's not. Yeah, sure. Then you say, but okay, then everybody well, else has to work for the fight. Uh, right. How did Billy Joe Saunders get his sixty-eight uh, pound belt? Not against a good fighter, and also no, he looked like bit- shit. He looked like shit at sixty-eight multiple times too. You know, I mean, yeah. we can go into that all day. You know, and we yeah, don't and, think and, you know, Eddie's a shitty promoter. That's not what we're saying. But I just no, got done watching no. an interview, and he called himself a worldwide icon. And so if you're going to go out there that much, we're at least going to look at this stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not saying Eddie. I'm just saying Eddie. And look, it's not that the others don't have their own strategies for themselves too, but like Eddie Hearns, that's kind of what I keep trying to get at. Like Eddie Eddie Hearns got the strategy for Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn doesn't yes. have the strategy for, yep. US, for U.S. sensibilities that right. are going to build up boxing and Canelo in the U.S. Because he, you know, that, that's not what he's going for. You know, he, he, he he's it's for him. It's you know, that's why the Bachelor USA vaporized. I mean, it's it's Eddie Hearn, you know, doing what's good for Matchroom and and you know, trying to keep his the zone deal. But you know, that that has you know, in his mind, he's looking at you know his operations and where his strong operations are. And he's getting those guys. You know, with PBC, sure, they, did the PBC get Caleb Pant, Plant paid? Of course they did, but. You know that that fit into the overall but they U.S. Built marketing plan. That right, that they'd already been building. You know, for literally years. Real quick, John. People have to remember, and the Fox thing is not as good now. But at the time when it was, it's not just the peak of the fight. It's also the three weeks worth of commercials that run through sports. So maybe people didn't watch the fight, but oh yeah, Plant. Oh, I heard that name before. That stuff adds up. Exactly. When you do a, you know, and any marketing study is going to show you that when when they do it then it like with the guy like five times that matters. People, I'm sorry, but it's just the truth that don't understand broadcasting, don't understand TV, don't understand platforms. They think like just because Canelo's the main guy, it doesn't matter at all who he fights. Well, if he fights somebody else that brings something to the table, that's a that's a much bigger fight. That, that's yeah. what the people. That's why they, the Stephen A. Smith. Kate. I mean, even if he's speaking yep. like from a casual fan perspective, that right, yeah, yeah. that was floated around, it was correct though from a U.S. sensibility but it's true, yeah. perspective. 
You know, I mean, that's the mentality. Bit, right, Bivol just was not. He, he he just didn't bring. He brought nothing in the U.S. I mean, literally nothing. Matter of fact, this doesn't. The guy's I don't know kind of funny. Is. Now that right. we did get an interview with him, we didn't get a fucking interview at all. But now that we did, he's kind of funny. Who would have known? Right. He is, but here's but here was the problem, and you know, I tweeted this out, and a lot of people don't want to touch this, or then they want to make it. I'm not making it about the substantive part of the issue, but I got to say it again. The Boston Marathon, which is just individuals, mostly amateurs. Now, again, this is not whether you're for or against this decision, but you're saying the decision was made. That was just a month ago, than a month ago. They decided to not allow individual Russian athletes to participate in the Boston Marathon. That's not a team sport. That's an individual sport. They decided, again, we're not debating whether the decision was right or wrong. It happened. So this is boxing, an individual sport. They've got a Russian guy, you know, which the Klitschkos were against. It doesn't mean that you have to go with what the Klitschkos say. I'm not even telling you what position I'm taking on it. I'm just saying that this was not pointed out enough that, I mean, Hearn's kind of like Hearn and maybe Canelo and Reynoso. You know, it's all of them. But, but they're, they're, in that sense, kind of forcing this fight down your throat at this time. I mean, because there are other potential opponents. I mean, it didn't have to be Dimitri Bivol at this time. And I'm not saying what kind of human being Dimitri Bivol is. Or again, I'm not, I'm not advocating for the policy or commenting on whether the policy is right or wrong, but it's out right. there. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they went with Bivol anyway. And, and they knew they had a problem because then, as Bivol himself pointed out, what, today or the day before, well, they introduced me from California. They wouldn't play my anthem. They wouldn't let me, you know, you know, represent my country, which is all true. But why were they doing that? Because they were afraid of getting heat because you had something like the Boston Marathon not letting individual Russian athletes participate. And you're having a fight in Las Vegas with a Russian in the main event against the biggest fighter in boxing. So, I mean, this event to me, I just, it just, it just was not a well, not a real well thought out event. I agreed with you, what you said before you talked about Cabello going for the 168 guys first, I think from biggest money and biggest U S marketing sensibilities, what Canelo helps himself too, because the U S you know, just that's where the, the money flows mostly. So, you know, he, he could have done that. Okay, if he didn't want to do that, if it really was legacy at light heavyweight, I mean, to me, this is where I was suspicious of some stuff. I mean, you know, Beter Biev, and I'm not even saying Beter Biev's tougher than Bivol, but Beter Biev has 100% KO percentage, and he's the lineal light heavyweight champ. He fought, his, his fights have been on ESPN. You know, you could cut some kind of a some kind of a deal with, with ESPN plus for a pay-per-view and fight, fight beater Biaz If you're, if, if you're concerned about legacy and then if you care about this alphabet nonsense, you, you can look to B-Vol later on, you know, just like you were saying with the 168 thing, you know, you can look at it in different ways or fight the Lovekin now, you know, um, they didn't do that. I, I think that's where there is that circumstantial evidence that he was a minus 500 favorite. They were trying to be cute. Um, I, I got to throw one life philosophy in because I, I do see it a little bit there with Canelo and Reynoso. And people would call it arrogance, but I don't even know if it's arrogance. It's just something that can happen to humans in life, and it's natural. Like, 
if you're any, any human who goes on a really good role, you know, of making decisions uh, yeah. in anything in life, it could be anything. Let's say it's been a really good role and it's been a lot of decisions. You start to think as a human being that just because you made the decision, it's got to be right and it's got to come out right. It starts creeping in. And you could almost see that with Reynoso and Canelo that like, well, well, we just decided that Bivol fits our formula that we've been using, you know, over these last three, four fights. So you know, we've selected him as our next opponent. We're going to do it. Hearn's got him. And, you know, we, we made this call. So this has got to be another genius call. And then we're going to fight Peter Biev when he's 38 years old instead of 37 years old. And, you know, we'll say we, we got that lineal and, and all the belts anyway. And, you know, we'll, we'll, this is the way we're going to be smart and we're going to do it. I mean, it, and they, they just thought because they had decided that it had to be the right way to go. Because if it was all about risk, why not go to B2B at first? Um, you know, nobody was going to say, oh, you're ducking. You know, actually, there would have been some <laughs> there would have been some Canelo haters. Yeah, there would have been some, but yeah, <laughs> overall. <laughs> yeah, you're ducking. There's ball, always some. But, most people would have said, hey, you're going to give me a Peter Biev on ESPN Plus pay-per-view? Uh, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to watch that, you know. Um, I, I think that's what would have happened there. And, and, you know, I think definitely people would have watched Charlo or Benavides. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. I mean, that, that was going to – Stephen A is right about that. So that's my, that's my take on the event. I think there was a stumble there. I think maybe Canelo could do it in the rematch. You were saying no chance. I mean – I, I don't know. He's going to have to be in – the first thing that comes to my mind there, he's got to be in better shape. It's got to be more aggressive. It's got to be a higher volume. I got a feeling Bivol's still a guy, and I don't know if Canelo can do this, but this is what he would have to do. If he just moving his hands in volume, I got a feeling Bivol's a guy where that offense is going to shrivel back up even more again um, just because of the cautious nature and the desire to defend first. Um, and, and I don't think he wants to exchange punches. So I, I think you're not going to see the counters from him that people think if Canelo's being more aggressive. But I, I'll be the first to say, you know, can Canelo get the motivation to get into that kind of shape and, and you know, take those kind of risks and throw those kind of punches? It's the old Marvin Hagler classic. It, it's hard to get up and do road work when you're sleeping in silk pajamas, you know. Um, I mean, Floyd Mayweather he showed up to the – he showed up to the fight in silk pajamas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you could say exactly. He, not only was he sleeping, and then he showed up to the fight in, in, in silk pajamas. And we see him. You know, you don't want to get out of everything the guy does, but there's a little bit to it. I mean, he's he's golfing with PGA guys. You know, I mean, uh, he, he's going to have. I'm to, not a big fan of the golf during camp. <laughs> right. You know, I got to admit, I got to admit, camp. you're on your legs that long. I'm not a big fan of that. And, you know, you've seen some wildly successful so – as I've gotten older, I understand it more. Like, actually and, – and, you know, he may have not been able to do it, but we'll go to, we'll go to the musical realm for a moment because it kind of fit. I didn't get it at the time, but, heck, this must have been like 30 years ago. I remember when David Lee Roth was, was – you know, he, he started off solo good at first, then it was starting to fade a little, and they were interviewing him, and he was saying – you know, I, I decided I need to, needed to go to this crappy hotel in, like, Vancouver and just, like, stay, stay there for a week and, you know, with no amenities or anything like that, get get back into the right frame of mind. And right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I try to get it now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you're just getting to that certain point, 
it's hard. It's hard if you're and it's worked. Far away. It's worked so well. You know why should I right. throw more punches? You know the guy's gonna yeah, fold. That, yep, that's what happens. You start thinking every decision you make is right, and and just because you made that call, it must be right, and you lose that. You lose that kind of hunger or that or that kind of just being in that setting that got you there. You know, and uh, it could be with Kel. Again, we don't know this, but. I would think if he that, – that's the only – I initially thought after the fight, just go to Golovkin 3. It's entertaining. It's a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a good fight. And now the Canelo – excuse me, the, the Golovkin stands are going to smell blood because Canelo didn't look as good. So now all of a sudden Golovkin's not automatically going to be too old and get killed like it was before this fight. Now it's going to be right. – well, you know, he's old, but maybe we need to see this again. You know, now it's going to change. Yeah. So, that would sell, I mean, but I'm now thinking about even with that rivalry after this loss, is that fight going to motivate Canelo enough? I, I, I don't know. It may, it may not. So even though the Bivol fight's not that exciting style-wise, um, and I'm with you, I don't think it automatically sells that big, but I think Hearn will want it. So he'd be all on board. He's saying he's on board already uh, within a couple yeah, of days is, of the yeah. fight. So, you know, it, it, for Hearn, it's, it's it's an easy big rematch to promote. I don't think it's like you said, I don't think it's automatically that huge or anything. Probably will be a draw with some real hardcore Canelo fans that just want to see him reverse a loss, but I got a feeling with. And it would take balls. I mean, I mean, it took balls to go up and do that. You could have stayed at your own weight class, but that would be like some extra to to go right at Bivol again, dude. I mean, that would be, and, and just to reiterate what you said, too, and I want to say we've had this conversation. We're putting our, our promoter and manager caps on. Canelo has the best resume in boxing. You can sit yep. there and get caught up, win, how they fought him, and who. That, that's fine. You could do that to any or most fighters. But he has the best resume. It's not even close. But he's caught. Well, I mean, Chuggle Latito, there's some other right. guys that are there nipping, but he does. And that's not changing just because he lost. We're not saying, yep. oh, you know, he's a garbage fighter now or he's just mediocre. No, it's not that. We're just uh, a lot of people, you know, have interest in this stuff or we we got to hear this stuff all fight week or he did this or that. And we, we just we're just commenting on it. That's all. We're just commenting on it. We're giving our thoughts on it. Um, you know, we don't like to I mean. And it's not, once again, to reiterate, it's not Eddie Hearn, because if you, if you, you know, listen to the last six months of the show, we've been digging into PBC plenty on the pay-per-view. So let's just all calm down, take a deep breath. Um, we're here to talk boxing, and once we're done with the in-the-ring stuff, then we're going to talk out of the ring, and that's just how it's going to go. But that has nothing to do with Canelo or, oh, I don't know, man, maybe he's not a Hall of Famer now. Or, oh, but I'd knock him off the pound for pound. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. But I will say I would be even, like, it just not, it would just put up another notch if he didn't went and go and fight that. What do you, do you think he'll do that? Do you think he'll say, fuck it, I can do it? Uh, do you think it'll be at 68? Um, because Bibble has already said, I'll go down to 68. What, what do you think? Obviously, Bibble's going to make some more money in the rematch. He's already made that clear. What are your thoughts there? And then we'll get on to uh, Charlo and Castaño, too. I'm starting to think, I thought right after the fight, I thought, oh, it makes sense, go 168, fight that Golovkin rematch. It'll sell big. Uh, I, I think people 
want to see it more than they're letting on and rivalry, finish it off. But now I'm thinking more along within a couple of days, I'm thinking more along the lines of what we're saying and, and looking at what Hearn's saying, looking at what Canelo himself is saying. I got a feeling the key now is that, you know, with all the money Canelo's made, uh, you know, his standing in the sport, it's probably going to be hard for him to get motivated for for somebody else without trying to avenge this thing. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking now. Um, that might be enough motivation to get him in the shape I think he needs to be in where he can win this. Uh, even with the, the 168, my best weight type of talk and everything, he's 31 years old. You know, he's a muscular built guy. They don't like to say this stuff, but until really then maybe it's a foregone conclusion when he's never going back there. But, you know, given the choice, he's probably not going to want to make 168. I know he just did it for plant, you know, within the last year, but that doesn't mean he'll want to do it again. Uh, so I, I would think it would be a light heavyweight 175. Um, you know, it, it would be a bad look if it went to 168 too. I mean, come on, just fight, you know, prove, prove you can beat the guy on the same terms when you lost to him. Uh, so it, it would even take away, I think, if they messed around like that. So I think it would well, just then, be Well, then if like, you lose, you're also risking – if you lose that 168 too, you're like, Shit, yeah, that's okay, right. Well, uh, ugh, you know, yeah, that's right. He could think about going there if he could still make the weight. If he does lose, so that that would give him something there. If, if he does feel he can continue to make that weight, so right. So I think now I'm thinking there might be a rematch, but it reminds me a bit of Joshua Nusik. I, I don't think it was the you know 12 round master class that out in both of those. I think. Both guys, you know, Usyk and Bivol, they both definitely won the fights. And, you know, good good performances against tough opposition, don't get me wrong. But, but you know, Joshua, I didn't like the way he finished. I didn't like the way Canelo finished either, but, but Joshua was even finishing the 12th and worst shape. Yeah. And as I've watched replay, I see it a little more now, like you did, Chris. Maybe he wasn't in quite as bad a trouble as I thought, but it wasn't good. The body language wasn't good. and. And, you know, he hasn't made any trainer shift. I'm not saying Canelo's got to get away from Reynoso, but Reynoso's got to probably get his head out of the clouds, too. They both probably got to get grounded and uh, make some adjustments, and, and it's going to be gotta more. They got to get inside. They got to jab. They got to get inside. They got to go to the body. They got to grind it out. They're going to they're gonna have to win in the trenches a little bit more than they or or play in the trenches more than they did. Definitely, and the volume's going to have to be a lot higher. I, I think he can probably get Bivol not throwing and just defending, looking yeah. at Bivol's mentality, if he, if he's moving his hands a lot more. Now, that's a big if, though. He's got, you know, to move his hands a lot more, he's got to be in a lot better shape. So is he willing to do that? Can Reynoso get him there? If so, I actually think he might have a chance of winning a rematch. Uh, Anthony Joshua, see, I haven't seen – with Anthony Joshua, I just think it was just at a point that he needs to train or change. We haven't seen that. Yeah. So, as we're getting closer to this Usyk rematch, if he's not going to make those adjustments, he's not going to reverse it. And, and with Canelo, he's going to have to make, you know, adjustments, better conditioning, getting inside, more punches. Um, you know, if he doesn't do it, he is going to lose again. So, uh, but I'm starting to think now maybe he, maybe he's going to take that rematch and like you said, if he thinks he can still make 168, then he'll have all those belts to maybe have some fights there if it if it doesn't go his way again. Yeah, plenty of fights there. I do have to say that there's an outside chance 
I don't think it's going to happen, but there's an outside chance. Um, we're, we're having a tornado uh, sirens going off here. And um, there's a potential for like 80 mile an hour winds. Um, and, Not and I, it, it, Yeah, it's been going on. I mean, it's Minnesota, so we're used to a bunch of different weather and all that. But just judging uh, being a lifelong, you know, resident, um, it's been blowing pretty hard and all that. But uh, and the streets are almost flooded. But there's hail now, and hail can just be hail, as we know. But it can also mean the start of something bigger. And I'm looking at – I've been looking at the the radar the whole time, and the, the yellow-purple stuff is actually keep pushing towards uh, where I live. Um, so if all of a sudden I got to go, I'll let you know. It's, I just want to put that out there, but I don't – I think I'm going to be just fine. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be okay as far as, like, me personally. But as far as doing the show or, uh, you know, if the power goes out, that means the Internet goes out, that type of thing. Uh, well, why don't we uh, – yeah, well, we want to keep you safe, Chris, so why don't we just make so, a yeah, briefly like, about – Safety-wise, I'm good there as far as me personally. The winds aren't that crazy. But um, but just, just, just if the power goes out and Skype drops me and the show stops or something like that, there is a possibility that it'll pop on and off, and right now the show's still live streaming, so I could call in. But in, in, in 19 minutes, once it's past the live stream, and, and I drop, then the show's over. So I just wanted to give a warning to the audience and you as well if you're in midstream and something happened. It's all good as far as me uh, personally, because if I thought I was at risk, I would already say i got to shut down the show. You know what I mean? So we're good that way. Um, it's just been kind of funny watching this thing kind of go like, oh, well, that's getting pretty close. Um, all right, so, yeah, because there is plenty at 68, man. I mean, those three fights that we mentioned, uh, Charlo, Benavides, and Golovkin, those are fun fights, that, you know, it, and they're bigger. They're, they're, they can sell, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, we'll see, though. That'll be. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. All right, on to Charlo Castaño, too. It was a draw the first time around. I would say the majority of people, I don't know where the percentage is, but I'd say the majority of people thought Castaño did enough to, to, to win the more rounds because overall he was landing uh, more power shots, especially with the right hand. Um, now we know Charlo hurt Castaño more throughout the fight, but it is scored round by round. Um, we got a rematch. Uh, we were supposed to have this fight, what was it, March? And uh, uh, Castaño had an injury, um, at least reportedly. Uh, that, you know, that, that's what was said. And I do believe that they had to show it uh, because uh, didn't uh, uh, Tim Zoo's people uh, challenge it and say, let me see the, 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 the documents? I don't know. I think that was the case. But either way, we're here. It's March 14th is the fight. The rematch for Undisputed. I think this will be a competitive fight, a very competitive fight. It might be another close fight here is what I'm, what I'm calling for. Um, but I think we're going to get an Undisputed crown. I don't think we'll have another draw, even though maybe we could say, God, I think this one actually was a draw. That, that's out there. A lot of people think that Castaño, even the people, a lot of people had him winning, 
but they think that was probably his best shot, or not best shot, but his best, like, he really did, I don't know how much more he could, and I kind of agree with that, whereas the improvement, I think, can come from Charlo more, uh, but some people keep citing, and we've talked about this too, John, some people keep citing the Harrison rematch, and it's like, well, hold on, he was down on the scorecard, like, I had him down six to four before the knockout, so did he improve on the first one, because he knocked him out, sure, but round by round, surely he did improve, um, but both of us, among, I'd say, majority people, uh, had Charlo winning the first goddamn fight. There probably shouldn't have been a rematch, but I'm glad there was because it was a damn good fight. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Who's going to get their arms raised uh, come fight night? I think even though he's, he's become the underdog you know, since the fight's been signed, as the odds have gone, started out pretty close to even, but you know, Charlo's a solid favorite now. I, I thought Castaño did win the first fight. I just thought, you know, he had more volume. You know, Jermel Charlo's a, a low – we're speaking of low-volume punchers who you know, rely on the yep. knockout, and, and that was definitely not him earlier in his career. He was a boxer, but he shifted to the power game, and, and that became his style, and, and I, I didn't think that was enough against Castaño. Uh, I did hurt him a couple times, but didn't really come that close to getting him out of there, and – and Castaño did hurt him once, too, I thought. Uh, and I just thought Castaño out-hustled him. And I think part of the key to this that makes it tricky for Charlo is, you know, Castaño is not some unskilled guy, um, you know, moving his hands. He's from Argentina, and sometimes we stereotype fighters and things. You know, you don't tend to – I mean, there are exceptions, and you've, you've had some Brazilians in recent years. But you generally don't tend to think of the – Mexicans and the South Americans uh, as much as you know, guys with big amateur careers. But, you know, Castaño had a big amateur career and fought in the World Series of Boxing, you know, fought beat Derby Vianchenko uh, before, he, you know, those were just like pro fights and, you know, before he officially became a pro. So, you know, he's a, he's a high-volume guy with skill. It's, it's a different package. And he's got decent pop. He doesn't punch as hard as Charlo, but He's got some pop. He's not feather-fisted. So, you know, he, he's a different package because he's not a crude, high-volume guy that's just all aggression and nothing else. He's, he's, an, he's an aggressive guy that's, that's got boxing skill, and that's what makes him difficult. He really kind of brings just about everything, except he's a little – in terms of his height, he's a bit undersized for the weight. You know, that's almost, to me, one, one of his weaknesses. I mean, uh, in terms of height, you know, Charlo does have an advantage there, but uh, – you know, some people say, well, you know, so Charlo's maybe got to box some more, but I don't think Charlo's going to be able to go back to that style and have enough volume to handle a guy who has volume and can box like Castaño. So it probably does come down to that he's got to catch him. And I'm not saying he can't get Castaño out of there, but I don't think he will because of Castaño's, you know, boxing skill, amateur pedigree. Uh, but you know, that that's probably going to end up being what he's going to have to try to do. And this is a little bit of a hindsight thing, but rightfully we've all had a little trouble explaining, you know, how did Jermel Charlo go from, you know, this kind of just boxer with the jab who was criticized by, well, including myself for his fights being really dull. I mean, Jamal was the guy with the exciting fights who was the puncher. And then all of a sudden, 
Jermel shifted over to Derek James and started punching <laughs> yeah. hard. Now, I'm not saying it's anything, you know, really just say it. I'm not implying anything. I don't think it's anything like a, a PED thing or anything like that. It's just something you don't see. So I, I was just thinking Derek James helped him that way. And that's been pretty much my explanation because it's so rare and you don't see it much that James just did a great job and, and added to his power game. You know, he did help Errol Spence like that too. Uh, not in that much of a dramatic fashion, but I did see Errol Spence get more aggressive, punching harder to the body as his pro career went on. But, but then I was thinking, you know, maybe we might need to look at another possible explanation, and that's what would put him in trouble possibly Saturday night if this is, is the explanation. I'm not saying this is it, but it's something recently I've started to think about a little bit. I mean, those guys, you know, Jermel Charlo started knocking out on, on that KO streak. I mean, they're not the most durable guys. I mean, you know, you look at uh, your Tony Harrison, uh, your Charles Hatley, Jackson, uh, you know, really yeah. Erickson Lubin, you know. I mean, these are, you know, Lubin showed a lot of heart against Fondora, and he, he took some good shots at times, but he did get stopped and he went down early. You know, we, we saw him hurt against Garchet. I'm not saying that's it, but I'm just saying maybe, maybe you know, Rosario sure. has been stopped a few times. I'm just saying maybe it's something we got to at least think about that, you know, you know, maybe, maybe some of these guys, yeah, maybe that is part of the explanation that it just, these guys that he was fighting just, just weren't the most durable guys. I'm not saying, you know, maybe he gets Castaño out of there Saturday. I'm not saying that's it. It's just maybe something worth thinking about. I was thinking it really was the Derek James thing, that there was just something Derek James was able to unlock that's rare, and that, and that might still be the case. But I'm leaning now that with a guy as skilled as Castaño with the volume, I thought he won the first fight. Charlo, he did hurt him a couple times, but he didn't have him in real bad trouble at all, anything like that. And I think he was able to sting Charlo a few times. And I think the Charlos have shown that they are up there with the chins in boxing. They're, they're not the, the very yeah. best, but, but they're up there. I mean, let's say if, if you were going to, I don't think it's a reach. If you were going to talk about top 10 chins in boxing, I think both Charlo brothers would be in there um, for sure. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe you might even make an argument for top five, but definitely top 10, you know, now they're not going to be in there with Canelo, Golovkin, uh, you know, really, you know, Danny Garcia has shown an awfully good chin in his career. You know, he comes to mind. But they're they're going to you're going to start thinking about the Charles then. So, you know, to me, Castaño has got he's got some pop. You know, he showed he can handle a skilled guy because he had the draw with Laura. Um, so we, you know, that's the other thing too. I mean, we know he can handle boxing skill with that amateur pedigree. So I think the people are saying, well, Jermel needs to keep it in the center of the ring this time and just box him, and everything's going to be okay. I, I don't think it's going to be that simple. I, I think it'll probably will yeah, be. Yeah, you're going to have to push center. him back, too, you know, to yeah, keep that I, center instead of, you yep. know, getting to the rope. Yeah, and I, I think he's going to have to catch – I think he is going to have to catch him with the power shots. But, you know, when you get to higher-level pro boxing and you're fighting opponents as good as Castaño, that's a tough thing to bank on. So that's kind of the way I see it. I, I just think and that's what he was banking on the first time. It didn't come through. I think that's probably not going to change, so it's going to be – can he get Castaño out of there? Um, I'm thinking no. And I think, to me, I don't see the scenario where Jermel Charlo outvolumes Castaño or controls Castaño's volume so much that he you know, outpunches him over 12. I, I think that Castaño's got too much skill 
and uh, pedigree for that with the volume. So I'm going to go with Castaño, and now it's the upset looking at the odds, but I'm going to go with him by decision. I, I just think he, he, he outvolumes again, him again. Charlo tries and can't get him at her. I'm with everybody else. It's probably going to be a pretty exciting fight. Um, yeah. You know, even if Charlo's losing around, so we, you know, like he got to Harrison in the in the rematch. Uh, you know, kept throwing bombs, throwing bombs, throwing bombs. I like the strategy there because I didn't think Harrison was durable, and I didn't think Harrison had enough volume in the first fight to win. But you know, Castaño to me. He showed he's got the volume, and I think he's more durable than guys like Harrison, Rosario. That doesn't mean he's got one of the you know top pensions in boxing or something like that, but I just think he's got more skill and durability than these guys Jermel's been knocking out, and I think that's going to be enough for him to get the decision. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it will be interesting to see if – because, you know, out like volume – the only thing he'll out-volume him with is the jab, right? But Right. Because he already did that. But, like, the the jab's established. You know what I mean? Like, he does have to realize, hey, man, jab's established. If you're going to establish it more, then push his ass back with it then, you know? Yeah. Um, and we didn't see the body shots. We didn't see the right hand of the body after the jab. Or we just didn't see much body from him in general. Um, and... I kind of agree with you on the, the knockout thing because if he would have – I think we we could make an argument the best shot he had of knocking him out was in the first fight those two times, you know? So yeah. it's kind of like he was – I mean, his legs were pretty – he was hurt, you know? So it's like – but he did a good job of staying alive, staying around, and then he was around, and then even near the end of the round, he'd land a big right hand. You know, that crafty, sneaky – Right hand, and it's usually lead. I mean, sure, sometimes it's a jab, but a lot of times it's a lead. And, you know, I think that was a smart strategy uh, from Castaño. And he's got a really nice short left hook, too. I don't know if he's going to use it as, you know, he didn't use it as much in the last uh, fight. But that's what knocked Charlo, you know, early in the fight on the rope. So, uh, but, of course, you don't want to make a habit of it because, you know, the old hook with a hooker thing. But, um yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Any any last uh, words, sir? Just, you know, we have – it's good at least – you know, I, I, I wasn't even crazy about all those decades of the premium cable, but we've got such a bombardment of pay-per-view. It's real refreshing that we have this on regular Showtime That's premium true. cable this weekend. With I want to just mention we got Boots Ennis on there against Clayton, a guy who proved against Lipinets, even though he fell a hair short, that – uh, he does bring more to the table than I thought he did, and, and a lot of others. There were some Canadian fans that were saying, "No, this this guy can fight." And uh, I think, you know, even though I think Ennis will get the KO, and he's a big favorite, I think Clayton did prove that. He proved he can fight. So, um, you know, Ennis is you know getting who he can in the ring. You know, I think people have forgotten too soon he fought Lipinets, who was a credible contender, and he stopped him. Uh, you know, now he's taking on Clayton, who had that tight fight with Lipinets. And, and really, who's a borderline top ten guy uh, in terms of his ability? So, uh, you know, in that sense, I like it. Even though Ennis is a huge favorite, I think he gets the, the KO. I am a believer in Ennis. I don't, I don't think he's being overhyped or anything like that. You see some talk of that, or that we need to see more. I think I've seen enough, and I think he's for real. And uh, that's why I want to see that. And just, 
you know, we've gotten such bad undercards lately too, even though Ennis, you know, could possibly take Clayton out early, just, just even to have a good name like him against at least a, at least a credible opponent. I mean, yeah, credible. those yeah. undercards last week and with the Fury, you know, white were, were just dreadful. And it's not that the PBC with Ugas and Spence was great, but like I tweeted last week, a lot of people did like yeah, it. Comparatively. I mean, I, yeah, comparatively, that was Don King 1994 compared to the last <laughs> two pay-per-view cards you got. I mean, and it's the truth. So, I mean, it's sad, really. It kind of is sad that I, I'm with everybody else. It just feels so good to get this, which kind of the – it is fair to say it with all of it. I mean, you know, just, just the overpriced bombardment boxing fans have been yeah. getting in, in recent weeks, it's it's not good. I, I, I think, you know, we already went in a lot into the business side, like you said, so we won't go into it anymore, but – that overall to me is bad for the sport. I mean, that, that bombardment so uh, of just too much pay-per-view, especially with this economy. Uh, and I just said right before we went on, I did see from a credible source, did a good job where, you know, apparently came from the Disney reports, uh, which, you know, Disney owns ESPN, yeah. that the UFC pay-per-view numbers are, are way down. So yeah. I got to say that probably to think that that doesn't affect boxing. Also, I think you're probably kidding yourself. So uh, even though it's maybe some different audiences. So I I think this, this pay-per-view train is, is, you know, getting milked again too much and it's got to, that's where it's got to get dialed back. So that's it. But I'm, I'm looking forward to at least on the good side that we just have regular showtime this weekend. There you be. All right, Johnny, take it easy. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk next week. All right. Stay safe in those wins, Chris. Good talking with you. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye. So, yeah, just to update you on the, on the uh, tornado scenario. um, So I last reported that there was hail. Well, now all of a sudden, like it's still, you know, the wind's still popping. It's still blowing, but, there's actually a call, you know, the old saying, calm before the storm. So we got hail and a little bit of calm in the storm, and the inject the radar and the heaviest stuff still coming. So, yeah, this might get funky here in the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But, you know, that's part of living in the Midwest. And uh, I'd rather have this stuff than negative 30. I'll say that with the windshield. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, and also, you know, if you're going to give us three pay-per-views in four uh, weeks, you know, the least you could do is give us some other card stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, but, I, but I understand some of this, and I'll say this, much like HBO um, and, and, and many media members complain that, you know, Al was paying some of his guys too much and it, and it messed up the, the market. Well, when DAZN came in, we know how much they paid guys. We know how much... You know, Jesse Vargas, Mikey Garcia, $10 million total. Like, that, like that's part of it. So everybody had to up their guarantees, you know what I mean? Um, so that, that plays into it. That plays into it. Anyway, um, when it comes to this rematch here, I'm just going to kind of go over a, a variety of things. Um, you know, round two, um, you know, that, that left hook uh, – from Charlo, definitely stung Castaño. Another left hook, the round very, yeah, this is round three. Had him falling in the ropes. I don't think either of them are really hurt, 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 but at least buzzed and not able to, you know, do what they wanted to do. 
Castaño with that lead right hand. He found a home with that thing pretty much all night. Um, also, his flurries in the last part of rounds were key, and that needs to continue for Castaño. I think that's a big thing. And then also, like I said, he, if he could, you know, they're probably going to be looking for that right hand, even though it's sneaky um, from Castaño. Castaño, don't go overboard with the left hook, like I was saying, because you don't want to hook with a hooker. But I think that's there too. I think it'll be there more in the second go round. Um, Charlo, you know, Castaño has this good high guard, right? Definitely, but um, it, it it looks like it's open for the uppercut. That's something that watching the replay again, um, it's it's kind of like, huh? Okay, you know, maybe you should look for that. Just the, you know, like I said, the, the, he had a great jab that that fight, but it kind of turns into well, let's say Vlad Klitschko. <laughs> it's like, dude, you got the jab established bring the heat now um and and not like just looking for one shot at a time um you gotta throw more combos even like we were just talking about canelo even if they're two punch combos you know go to the body attack the body charlo you you gotta do that also that counter left that little check hook or step back counter you know i think Either that or turning his jabs into left hooks, right? I think that will uh, pay off in the end. And and just like I mentioned earlier, the jab, you got to push him back. You, not only do you, you got to keep the center ring, because that's where you're winning all the rounds that you won, um, not based off the scorecards, but, you know, he did win rounds. Even if you had him losing, he did win rounds. That's where he had it, but he's got to push him back. He's got to push him back. Um, otherwise it's going to be the same fight because literally the best Castaño all basically every time, almost every time Charlo was near the ropes, that's when Castaño would attack. It'd be quick. It'd be crisp and it'd be hard as shots and it would bring Charlo to the ropes in those scenarios. Charlo needs to pivot the fuck out of there too. And maybe some of it is that little, you know, back step to the side in a punch in there and then go. We saw that from Bivol uh, or Bivol, the, you know, this last weekend. Um, but yeah, being on the ropes, just looking for the counter, then you better throw counters early and you bet, you know, maybe use that jab more off the ropes or something because um, you don't want to get, this is the wrong guy to get in exchanges with. Uh, there's times when Charlos look really good in exchanges. This is not the guy you want to get involved there with that. But like I said, Castaño picked his time. He cut off the ring, and he just waited, waited. Okay, you're you're within a, a foot or two, three feet from the ropes. Attack time, and he did it. And he went to the body. I'm not saying he went over the top to the body, but he did enough. And you know, he turned some of those left hooks to the body, kind of turned them to left hooks up top, or just left hook, left, you know, whatever. But like I said, that crafty. Kind of, he almost drops levels and then pops out this right hand, and it's a lot of times it's lead from Castaño. So, um, by the way, I I, um, I just saw Carcino got in there right now. Let's go to him and see what he thought of uh, you know, uh, Bavall and Canelo, and then 
the rematch with uh, Charlo and Castaño. Like I said, we've been on a hell of a run in boxing, and it seems like every week we can go, we just got done with this, now we got an undisputed. Now we got a unification fight. It's been really, really great. Carcino, man, what is going on with you, buddy? Oh, nothing too much. I'm busy, uh, you know, ripping and running. Got another party? Uh, Oh, no, not a party. party It's a a, a Sonic party right now. Okay, okay. (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, I won't take up much of your time, but uh, go ahead and uh, talk, you know, Bibble's uh, big upset, um, and then we'll get into this week as well, sir. Yeah, we predicted this last week. Yeah, we we did the rundown last week. We told you that um, this fight, I was like, I don't see how Canelo can win this fight. I really didn't. When we did the uh, predictions, and I was saying a draw at the best, I'm like, look, bet the draw. Because the scorecard yeah, came true, too. Yeah, that's what I was screaming at the whole fight. I'm like, 1400. I'm like screaming fourteen hundred to one, so I'm like I'm walking away with fourteen grand. I put a hundred bucks on the draw, so I was screaming. Dude, like, if, We're gonna if, get if it. Dimitri, hey, if Dimitri would have taken it easy in round twelve, it would have been a draw, dude. Yeah, certainly would have. Now, the way the fight was playing out in the beginning, I was a little amazed at how poised. Um, B-ball was, and I started seeing Canelo's game plan was coming out trying to rattle him, trying to see, you know, how would he handle the pressure and everything else by him never being in this situation. And he was pretty poised. It's like this was what they game plan for with Canelo. Then everything changed from there. It was like Canelo started to, um, he was targeting his arm. Like, he was targeting that arrow. He's trying to take away the jab of Bevo and made him more defensive. So he kept aiming right for the arm, like drilling him right in his arm. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. But everything was with power, no jab, nothing but just power. I'm like, this could be a mistake if Bevo don't fold. Like, if he holds up under this, Canelo could have problems in the middle round. Right, because he might put off the gas to try to save it up for the second half. But he called Duvall with a really good shot, and it had no effect. Like, he could take it. And I think he knew for the first time ever, like, man, this is a guy with size, but a lot of people think the size was the problem. Size was a part of it, but it wasn't really the problem. It's the style. He fought yep. a big man exactly. who could actually take a step back, get out of range of for Canelo. This is why Canelo really couldn't gauge him because he couldn't walk straight to this guy. We said it last week. He's fought a lot of flat-footed fighters that just pretty much telegraphed their punches, and Canelo could see a lot of them coming. Now, he made Bivol miss some shots when he was tired, but he gassed himself out basically thinking his power was going to dictate the change in the fight. And he never came up with another strategy. It seemed like the jab and the uppercut would have been a good combination to switch to. 
but he was stuck in that game plan or that mindset of this is what I'm going with for the rest of the fight. And he never made an adjustment. Not once. Then you start to see him being controlled by the jab and the movement. He would throw in combination punching with counters. You know, not too many guys at that weight can I counter with like four shots on a counter punch. <laughs> it's a four punch counter punch and they're countering. You don't really see that that much. No. And you, and you don't really see guys who are able to, even when they're taking punches, stay so calm and relaxed. He was relaxed. He didn't really panic. Uh-huh. Even in the catch ninth round. Shoot. Remember we talked about catch and shoot, too. Yep. He caught that mother effer and he shot it. Yep. And he was not going to let Canelo dominate him or bully him in the ring. Then you start seeing Canelo unravel, become frustrated because he feels the rounds are slipping by and he knows he's behind. So he could feel it. And then... Yeah, you can see it in the corner a lot, you know? Yeah. And then you could see him, like, actually physically hurt. Like, he was hurt a couple of times in that fight. Like, I saw his legs, and they they really didn't look good. He got caught with a shot, and his knees, like, touched almost. And, like, he kind of, like, stumbled into the ropes, fatigued. <clears throat> Mixed with the fact that, you know, he's getting dominated by a guy he can't really control, and he's big enough to take Canelo's power, and at this point, one punch ain't going to pull you out of it. He was done. And I remember saying to my friends, I said, this is it. Then I was like, he shouldn't take the rematch. Not I was at all. Say, should he just move on to Golovkin and go back to 68? Yeah, go to 68, fight Triple G, get your money. Triple G is tailor-made for him. Um, he telegraphs all his punches. You see them all coming, and it's all power. That's not going to change. So you'll be able to control how you want to fight, when you want to engage. That guy's 40. Hey, you tried it. A 174 again, no one's going to knock you. You already got a belt there. What's done is done. I agree. I don't. I don't. In in in, in Bibble, comes, you know, Bibble's already like, oh, I'll go down to sixty eight and get those belts, no problem. We can go down to sixty eight, um, and that's like, oh snap, dude. Yeah, don't do it. Just fight Golovkin. I think it just doesn't. Yeah. Like, I don't think seventy five is a great weight for Canelo, but either way, Bibble's beating him stylistically. So, you know, move on. You fought him. You took the risk. You lost. No big deal. Um, no one's going to hold it against you for the rest of your life. No big deal. But uh, move on. You got uh, Golovkin. You got Benavidez. You got Charlo. You got other people around there. Just go back to the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, go back to the 60s. Because at that at that weight class and anything, it's the style. You're not going to beat that guy. And then you'll be forcing the no. judges to embarrass themselves like they did in this fight. I've never seen a score. 4-0. They had a 4-0, you know. 
They had it 4-0 to start. All three. <laughs> yeah, all three. And then the next four, they had all four in a row for um, right. yeah, Bevel. Bevel. Yep, yep. All three. They, they are, right. Their scorecards are exactly the same all the way across. They all they are the exactly same the same. They are robots. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They sat down, they, Carcino. They sat down. They sat down before the fight started. I said, all right, let me get this. Hold on. Let me fill this. Hold on. Okay. 10-9, And then we'll, do, we'll just go 10-9, You know, it's just like, damn, dude. Oh, gosh. Even 3-1 to one for Canelo in the first four would be a lot better than 4-0. Yeah, I don't even know how they came up with that score. That was so bizarre. But going into this rematch with Castano. Yes, yes. Now, with Charlo, like I said it right after that fight when we did the uh, press conference, I mean the press conference, when we did the post fight, that I don't believe that they can um, actually do a rematch and and Castano would be successful. Because I said, Charlo's figured out his style now. What was catching him in the first fight was the awkwardness and the way he was delivered. Yep. He couldn't time that. And once he saw that, he's like, man, I keep getting hit with this shot. So it, it was going on over and over again. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, that shot turned into a that one shot turned into a a, a counter from Charlo. He was countering with the right hand and the left hook. He was waiting on that right hand so he can counter with that left hook. And he caught Castano a number of times and was hurting in the fight. To the point where Castano was a little reluctant to throw that jab right hand, that sneaky right hand lead sometimes. Now, he's got a, a lot of tricks, but I just I yeah. think Charlo, wait, Charlo's waiting for it. He knows, man, I let it, I let it slip because early on he was right. getting it, you know. No. And I still think Castano won the first fight. He just didn't get his hand raised. So, yeah, yeah. And this fight... I'm thinking so you're uh, Charlo wins. I, I think Charlo. I think Charlo's going to win by knockout. So I don't think it'll be a trilogy, but I think oh, he's going to win by knockout. Um, it, early on, it'll be a competitive fight, but I say around seven, round seven or eight, he gets knocked out. TKO is like round seven or eight. Uh, Charlo will win by TKO. So. Yeah, I mean, have like, that's shocking coming from you. But <laughs> well, hey, that tells you how confident he is. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> because, hey, I know people are going to say what they're going to say. But, hey, he's yeah. calling it like he calls it, straight up. Yeah, I think Charlo figured it out. Yeah, I think he's going to be waiting. It's just going to be the left hook that gets him in trouble. And then he's going to go for the home run ball. But Cassano will make it a fight because yeah, he can yeah, box. He does have some. So it's going to be real interesting. And then, like you said, we got nothing but classic fights lined up from here to the end of the month. Yep. That's, it's awesome, man. I just love it. Any other things that you want, anything you want to discuss, uh, sir? 
nothing too much. Uh, a lot of talk about Terrence Crawford's going to fight um, Arrow first and then go to 154 and fight Charlo and try to unify the belts at 154. Mm-hmm. So that's the two that? fight deal that they're talking about. And he's going to sign with PBC for two fights. And then after the two fight deal, that supposedly is the move. You think it'll be more than a, a two-fight deal, though, because there's rematch stuff and all that? I mean, I could see, like, a two-year deal. Uh, it could like be. Like a three- to four-fight, you know what I'm saying? Either way. It could be. But he might as he well, beat, because it's like it's all there for him. Errol, if he beats Errol at 47, he's not going to do the rematch. He's going to want to go to 54 and unify. Did you just... Well, hopefully you didn't close that out. Okay. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. So, no, I was saying if he beats Charlo at 154, then if once he beats him at 154, then he can take the um, the challenge. Go up you don't want to have to So, now, I hear what he goes to, you don't yeah, think he'd entertain a Thurman? You don't think he entertain a Thurman fight, possibly? No. No, he wants unification. So, he's been thinking about that That's for fair. the longest. Cause he'll unify that would be wild, three, dude. To go four, 140, yeah. 147, and 54, that would be wild, dude. And that press yeah. conference and the build-up, if it is Charlo, oh, my goodness gracious. That would be something. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be something. That's why well, I think he's already had like that a two-year deal with Al because it's like, all right, Crawford, you build it all the way here, just sign this deal and, and mop up. Then you know what I mean. This is your time. This is your time, Terrence. This is your time. Do it. Just do it. That's what I, I think. He should sign like a two-year deal, dude. Because it's all there for him. It's all there for Yeah, so if he signs the deal, I don't think he takes it. Oh, sure. Okay, I got you. Like um, the rematch clause. Like, let's say if he beats Arrow, the only way I see a rematch is if Bud loses. Because you don't think Spence would exercise it? He could exercise it, but if he vacates the title, that's what he don't have to take it. Like he could just vacate the titles, which he's probably going to well, do anyway. And if he goes up to fifty-four, sure, yeah. See, that's the thing his parents is looking for is he wants to unify the division, then he's going to leave and go to fifty-four and fight, fight Charlie. But that, but, that, but, but, the, but that's PBC though. That's what I'm saying. Like if he, my that's point what I'm is, saying. that'll point. be part of a two-fight deal. That's the two-fight sure, deal. I'm interested in. But my point is, so, like, if you re-upped for four years last time, I don't think it's a real big deal to re-up for three or four fights. Considering they got all the... Too. Yeah. Either I way, I'd be just excited. You know, I'm waiting for it to get announced before I get too excited. This is boxing, right? But, man, right. that would be dope. That would be dope. Yeah. That would be really dope. That would be cool. 
And next Wednesday, I'm going to do a show, just so you know, sir. All right, cool. I'll be ready to roll. All right, man. You take it easy. All right. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. You take it easy. Have a good night, All right. man. You too. All right, peace. Bye-bye. Carcino for life. You know you know who it is. Cino, Chicago. We're getting a little bit of that Chicago weather up here. He, you see, he... He's a fellow Midwestern. He knows all about tornadoes. And it's, dude, it's still on that calm before the storm. <laughs> and it's got, they're saying in like 15 minutes, we're going to get another wave that was harder than the other one. So we'll see. I'm right by the Mississippi River, too. So sometimes, well, I'm not going to get in too much. Anyway, um, I got to admit, like, I've been on the fence with this rematch. You know, I went over these little notes that I got and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I'm siding with Sino on the adjustment, the minor adjustment um, that he could make. Um, I don't, I think he'll either be pivoting the shit out of it or, God forbid, wrap up or do the, and I'm not trying to say like Margarito and Castaño are the same couple for a fighter. I'm just giving an example. Remember how Mosley? It would do that to, you know, he just barely, you know, grab him and then dip. It's like a clinch, not a hole. And then he, boom, turn him, boom, and then hit him. You know, like, the jab's there. He, he, you can still move, but like I said, the only way you're going to keep it in the center of the ring is if you push him back. I think that's proven uh, from the jump. And then, yeah, I think Sino hit it on the nose. He's got to look to counter as well. He's a damn good counter puncher and he's got to look to counter more. Now, like I said, do you want to get into the, all these waves of exchanges for 30 seconds? No, not necessarily. Cause this dude's, he's quick, quicker than you think. He's got pop power, whatever you want to say. And, uh, clearly he could take a good shot too. Um, Am I calling for a knockout? For sure. I don't know about a knockout, but a knockdown and hurt multiple times. I like the TKO Cena was talking about. I don't necessarily think it's going to be some. It's always tough to call, like, a concussion punch. You know what I mean? Because shit just happens sometimes. You know what I mean? So I can't, I can't really say, oh, he's not going to be able to get up. But I can see his legs being done, him hitting the canvas a couple times. And then him trying to get up, and it's TKO, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I actually do think Charlo will make – I know Charlo can do more than what he showed in that ring. Um, by a lot, that's what we're going to find out. Whereas Castaño, how much improvement can he make on that? I really don't think that much, man. I really don't because he did a great job, like I said, every time – it was almost like a sensor going off in your head. It's like a, you know, those 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 dog sensors when you get to the edge of your uh, yard and, and it's got that line of, you know, the sensor. It's like the second he got a certain amount of feet from the from the roast, Castania would just jump on him quickly too. And like I said, he's also got he, he can't allow him to do that flurry shit at the end of. Uh, you know, at the—I mean, he's gonna do it, but you gotta—you gotta catch him then. I mean, if you know he's gonna do it, you gotta catch him then because he's gonna try to do those flurries. You know, he's definitely gonna do those flurries. Um, so I got Charlo winning. Um, if it's a knockout, I do think TKO. 
but I'm going to pick a couple knockdowns in Castaño, or I mean Charlo winning on the cards, okay? Um, we did get um, some impressive gate numbers that came out uh, from the commissions. Uh, Texas Commission, well, both of them Texas Commission, huh? Garcia, Ryan Garcia, and Tagu, Tago, Tagu. No, uh, but you know, nobody really knew that dude. And I'm not trying to rip who he fought because he had been off for a long time. I'm just, I'm actually giving credit to Ryan Garcia on that one because that was a, a healthy gate he he did uh, in that they they did 1.3 million on a little over 12,000 sold. And like I said, that's in, you know, he hasn't fought in Cali in a little bit, right? So, um, or no, maybe, I don't know. But either way, that's a healthy-ass gate. I think people don't realize that there's actually not a ton of fighters that do million-dollar gates that the way people think of. I think people get caught up in the, the Mayweathers, and the Pacquiao's, and even the Canelo's. Like, they just think everybody does, you know, a million dollar gate easy or, or you know if you don't do 10 million dollars at the gate it's crazy all you got to do is google a little you know history on that uh top you know 25 gates in las vegas history and stuff like that it's it's that's the healthy ass game and you know that's why i've said you know from the start that i i always thought that they'd make tank and garcia first because of the money and i i really believe in that fight I believe the pay-per-views numbers, I'm not calling for 1.5 or nothing like that, but I'm saying that's a healthy-ass revenue. Uh, and a possible, I don't know exactly what would happen in the fight, but a possible you know, rematch, and they're young enough. I'm not, it's hard to call for trilogies, you know what I mean? Uh, and then we got uh, Spence Ugas, and of course the likes of Montero and such, the usual suspects, every PBC event that, has like a sizable name in it they always rip it um but you know it was supposed to do way you know it was doing worse because i remember he said it i think on the teddy atlas um i think that was what it was anyway um turns out you know um that wasn't the case he sold thirty-seven thousand tickets the gate did a little over five mil and that's taking the cops out of it uh the five even if it did four mil, those are healthy gates. Uh, I don't care what you say. The WBC has ordered the lightweight title eliminator between Ryan Garcia and the Isak Cruz. Um, if no deal is struck, the first bid would June fourteenth, and basically that would put you in line at some point when it's actually called for whoever has the belt after. Uh, the Cambosis-Haney saga. We don't know if that's going to for sure be two fights. It's signed for two fights, both of them in Australia, but we don't know if Devin, you know, tend to twos them or something like that. And I'm not calling for that. I'm just saying if he, if he outboxes the shit out of him or something, that might not happen. We'll see. Um, Sky Sports. Uh, they picked up Better BF Smith Jr. in Cambosis versus Haney. Uh, that's a that's a good look for him, and obviously that's uh, 
You know, right this this year, PBC and Top Rank have been putting on overall like the most big fights. I'm not trying to take away from the zone. They just they've had some fights. Uh, they just had one. We had an upset, which was a big fight. They had one the week before, but you start to add it up. Um, you know, ESPN has the handicap Moses, maybe two fights. Better be of Smith Jr. They just had uh, Stevenson Valdez. Uh, but those are big fights. Sky Sports, uh, you know, DAZN and Sky Sports are in that big rivalry now, so that's big. And Dimitri, by the way, uh, did say, hey, we're going to have to renegotiate this rematch here. Um, you know, he said that a couple times. This is also another quote from his Behind the Gloves uh, interview. He said uh, that he would, in fact, go back to super middleweight. Uh, his natural size is uh, for less weight, and he said, mine too. Maybe the next fight is for all four belts. So that's a direct quote from him. Uh, oh, by the way, Manny Pacquiao uh, did lose uh, the election in the Philippines. We'll see what that ultimately means. By the way, Salvador Chava Rodriguez is uh, reporting that he's hearing from Canelo's camp that Alvarez will proceed into the Triple G trilogy. Now, we'll see if that's true, but we don't know. Also, the WBC, I believe I saw this. Uh, someone actually sent me this. I saw this. Someone else tweeted this, too. Uh, the WBC ordered a bout between Oshaki Foster and Eduardo Ramirez for the mandatory shot at the 130-pound uh, title that Shakur has. Um, so that's just a, a tad bit of news. Oh, and you know how uh, John mentioned that UFC, the pay-per-views are down right now. They sold more ESPN Plus. This is Adam Stern is reporting. Um, ESPN, well, actually, he's tweeting. Footprint Center, is that what it's? Uh, oh, uh, SBJ, okay. My bad. Sports for a uh, business journal. ESPN Plus sold more than 400,000 U.S. pay-per-views, UFC 274 from last Saturday night. Uh, That source is SBJ. And uh, and they're saying in this tweet that, you know, they went up against Canelo. Um, Oh, you know what's funny? If Canelo does, or not funny, but kind of interesting, if Canelo does go for the rematch with Bivol, Munguia. Munguia said, hey, count me in. I want Golovkin. Um, and Munguia needs a, a big fight, dude. I mean, oh boy, was ready to fight. That doesn't happen. Have Charlo fight him. Uh, this is Tom Gray. Kind of interesting how he comes out and says, uh, terrific interview by Canelo. Didn't blame heavy suits pushing, dodging gloves, or dodgy gloves, or pushing a push. Uh, in reference to the Wilder and White. Uh, how refreshing that an elite-level fighter can take an L. But, of course, we know Canelo technically, you know, Canelo said at the presser that he felt like, you know, he definitely won the fight and, and Bivol only won four to five rounds, which I, I could give a shit about that. People either make excuses or don't. Now, if you go over the top, I'm going to at least say something. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, he, he made sure he got out ahead of it, but the problem is, you know, um, it's kind of like, well, hold on. He did actually say he won. Um, wild hot. Oh, wait. One 
more. Oh, and by the way, this is the uh, – I did get a couple messages on this. NYTimes.com, this is the – this is what we're talking about as far as the Alvarez. His $15 million guarantee is a fraction of the upfront uh, pay for the plant. I think it was 40 right? But he also – but it also hints that uh, Alvarez expects a windfall when he receives his cut. And then boxing Twitter will get out of here. Uh, Wild how uh, for this Canelo pay-per-view, the boxing fraternity doesn't care about break-even points or whether the event will lose money, the price point, or quality undercard. And he says the zone is really paying off. It is funny how we didn't really get too much about that. I think that literally the o- oh, I think that literally the only thing at stake was Canelo's position at pound-per-pound rankings. He really didn't try to outbox Bibble. He tried to walk him down and KO him. If the pound-for-pound pound list is about skills and you get outskilled, why not showing a full array of skill? How can that not matter? That That's an interesting point. Um, oh, boy, we got some fanboy stuff. How did Bibble win last night? He missed almost 550 punches. Canelo only missed 400. I've seen Canelo fans say that was a big part of how you score fights. Canelo robbed, no surprise, had to expect the Russian to get all the close rounds. Why would you think a Russian in America at this time right now politically would get all the rounds? I, I don't I don't get that. And not only that, but you talk about well he missed five he threw more punches, dude. You're gonna miss more the more you throw. Um, the percentage was twenty one to seventeen. Neither of them were high, you know. Uh, percentages, but Canelo's punches to Bibble's arm should count more than Bibble's punches to Canelo's face because Canelo hits harder. Okay, okay. Oh, this is Al Bernstein. Think about this. In the next six week, six weeks, all these matchups look terrific. Uh, Charlo Castaño two, Fulton Roman, Cambosis Haney, Inouye Donaire two. Better be of Smith and Rodriguez or Rungbasai. <clears throat> and uh, several other matches um, could also be excellent. First half of uh, 2022 on fire. Sure was. Or it sure is. <laughs> it was. Um, some of you so-called boxing fans are hilarious. Canelo fighting the best of the best. It takes Errol spent seven years to utter, I want Crawford next and Floyd Mayweather's fighting nobody's. On balloons. Well, Spence has fought the best of the best beyond Crawford, one. And what are you bringing up Mayweather for? He's retired. Isn't he like 40-something now? 42, 43, 45? I don't know. But he's he's retired. You're really going to bring in Floyd? Why do people bring in Floyd so much when it comes to... There's still people in the media who say that Floyd cherry-picked guys with resume he has. So, yes... That's going to be the conversation around Canelo too. It's stupid, but fans didn't start it. All didn't start all of it. That dumbass narrative was all about diminishing Floyd's success. Yeah, that's true. The media had to play in that too, and that's why to sit there and diminish anything Canelo, you know, it's it's really silly, dude. I mean, win, lose, or draw, the mother effer has the best resume. Just deal with it. Uh, oh, Ben Davidson, by the way, is having some visa issues. He's not allowed. 
well, I don't know if he's going to be allowed to go to Australia in the future, but as of right now, he's not going to be in Devin Haney's corner. Uh, this is Fred Montero and Teddy Atlas shitting all over Spence versus Ugas tickets, saying they're going to be basically lower than the Garcia fight. Texas reports the gate, so why even speculate? I guess no one will remember if he's wrong other than your Fred pal. Or your Fred, your your pal Fred, what the fuck? Oh, shit. You know, it's, dude, when I started this show, and I'm not saying originally, I'm saying tonight, it was 81 degrees. Damn, it's 65 now. <laughs> um, that's wild. Uh, by the way, uh, Kovalev is fighting the unbeaten prospect, Pulev. Uh, and he's uh, barely a favorite, barely a favorite. That's a, I actually went over that card because that's that, that card that uh, Woodsy was hyping up. That's that card he was hyping up uh, on Trilla because it's Trilla. Uh, also, look for Yoka, Yoko or Yoka and uh, that heavyweight fight, Yoko and uh, Martin. Is it? Unga or yeah, that, that might be a good fight. That's something to pay attention to. Uh, Pulev and Jerry Forrester. Kind of forgot that fight was going on actually. Uh, Elvarado, William Zapata. Zapata's always a, a good watch because Gilbert Ramirez is fighting. You know, a guy that he's like a plus thousand or something like that, plus nine hundred, plus thousand and more. Ennis Clayton. Let's see if we get any more out of Ennis. Uh, if he gets challenged or whatever. But, yeah, if you think uh, Castaño's going to win, you can get him. Well, the U.K. can get him uh, plus 180. The highest tier is plus 170 or wherever, five times plus 175. So it's, it's pretty close to a pick and fight. Although, well, FanDuel has plus 178. So you are getting closer to a two-to-one there. But, yeah, man. Um, oh, shit. Okay, Portland. Okay. Portland's got time. We're going to go to him, and then we're going to shut this thing down. Portland, 503 host Sway. I'm going to go to you right now, buddy. What's going on, my man? How you doing? Mexicano salito de guerra, el acero apretado y el rigor. Y retiembla en sus centros la tierra al sonoro rugir del cañón. Yo, yo, hey, yo, yo, what up, what up, Chris? Hey, yo, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. Not not as good as I should, I should uh, not as good as I should be, but, uh, you know, for Relatively the last, speaking. you know, back-to-back, yeah, back-to-back losses, so, you know, uh, all Team Canelo. But, but uh, man, uh, shout-out to you, Chris, for holding it down during a tornado, bro. I wanted to. You know, also, you know, shout out to you, bro, because, you know, you're holding it down, man, um, during some crazy-ass weather. Uh, but, yeah, man, let's get into it. Um, fuck, man, what can I say? Let me start off with uh, Valdez first, man. Uh, Valdez, uh, man, uh, you know, he didn't get the win. What can I say? He fought a, a better boxer. Uh, Shakur put, you know, put, you know, did good work. Um, you know, in all honesty, I think he should have um, – uh, I thought he probably could have done a little bit better, in my opinion, against Valdez if he wanted to put, you know, some some real, like, if he wanted to, like, to damage him and maybe, maybe even knock him down a few times, I, I believe he probably could have. Um, I, I didn't like the ending where he put, like, the last, I think it was, like, the last 10 seconds or the last 15 seconds where he put up his 
his hands up in the air already claiming victory and stuff like that. You know, I, you know, I, I know he won or whatever, but it's like, you know, um, for the casual Boston fan, you know, I don't know. Sometimes they don't, yeah, like, I don't know. The, it, it doesn't. No one likes that, you know what I mean? Like, finish the – it's a fight at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Uh, that whole Floyd – I know Floyd did it, you know. Floyd kind of made it infamous with the – you know, nah, kind of – So many know, people the, have done it in the past, and nobody yeah, ever liked it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, nobody and, uh, but, yeah, man, there's – no. And uh, but no, no instead of – too, right? Valdez needed yeah, no he more, should have. <laughs> yeah, and hell, I thought – You know, because he – yeah, it looked like he was just try, kind of throwing just straight rights, like just looking for a straight right the whole time. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, he was kind of being too predictable. But, ah, oh, man, it's a, it's what it, it's whatever, man. You know what I mean? I'll, I'm still there to uh, support Valdez. I'm always there to, to watch his fights. Uh, he, to me, he doesn't lose anything. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a lesson learned. Uh, you know, shout out to him, man. It was just, you know, the the other guy was just a better boxer that night. And uh, but also, man, let's get into it, man. Uh, another. Another big, huge loss for me and uh, for the Mexicanos. And, uh, man, uh, this, one, this one hurt the most, uh, not going to lie. Uh, like I said earlier, like we, we talked earlier, Chris, uh, throughout the week before uh, weeks leading on to this fight that, uh, you know, this was a difficult, difficult fight for Canelo. I know the casual fans were uh, shitting on it and, and saying, oh, Canelo's going to – why is this a fight for Canelo? And, but we all knew what Bivol brought into a fight, man. And, uh, you know, his yeah. – what I thought was scary – what I thought was scary was that, uh, you know, his skill set, that he was able to, you know, go in and out and uh, use that, you know, kind of Easter uh, – that Euro- European style. And, you know, he was a lot bigger. He was a lot stronger. They were the same age, but you could just tell there's the size difference that, you know, the punches weren't coming in. I thought Canelo – um, you know, early rounds, like, when I, I wanted to see how his punches were coming in. I wanted to, you know, like, what what they looked like in the first round. And when I noticed that Canelo, you know, he was throwing some sharp combinations at the beginning, but, like, I just felt like maybe I just noticed that, you know, Bivol was kind of playing rope-a-dope a little bit, you know, like seeing what he had also. Um, but then, man, I, I just felt like later in the rounds, Canelo definitely gassed out. I thought his um, he was throwing uh, – it looked like he was, you know, trying to get a knockout early and you know um he canelo showed frustration i didn't you know also too man i didn't like canelo showing frustration you know like when he picked them up or standing still trying to wave them in and you know looking um you know because you know showing body language showing that kind of body language is i don't know just told a story of you getting you know getting hands on man and uh you know the the people that i, I what you know also too man uh bibble really quieted the you know the the arena, bro. Like even over here at my home, dude. Bro, he for was quiet, real, but, dude. Yeah, I mean, for man, real. he he had the it whole place quiet. quiet, bro. Yeah, and uh, I felt the quiet, man. I was sad, like I said before. Bivol, Bivol did what he was good at against a small a smaller fighter. Like I believe, um, I, I you know like you know Canelo wants that rematch. I I I'm hoping he doesn't, but I just feel like his ego, his pride. Um, you know, he's always up for a challenge. I, I believe he takes the rematch, in my opinion, um, that, that, you know, because he, I've seen this in some of the interviews where he says he'd rather have a challenge than an easier fight or, uh, you know, something that, you know, kind of is, you know what I mean, just uh, a little bit more easier for him in, in a way. But um, uh, so I just, I, I do see the, re- or the rematch happening, and, you know, but, uh, but man, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, in all honesty too, Chris, man, uh, there was a round, where Canelo completely took off, and uh, man, uh, I remember um, Bivol just putting hands on him, like you know, whenever he wanted to. Like, his punches, like his little one-two, would look a lot more devastating than any of Canelo's punches at that point. And uh, man, in all honesty, to it, I think 
if Joel Diaz, and shout out to Joel Diaz, I'm a Mexicano, man, putting, you know, uh, the, the, the coach there. Uh, you know, if, if, if Joel Diaz told him to, you know, put the heat on Canelo and, and go for the KO, man, I, I do believe he would have gotten in in the late rounds. I, I think it would have been fatigue setting in. It would, Canelo would have just fallen from fatigue. Uh, you know, it just it, that, that's the way I was seeing it. But, man, Canelo, you know, Canelo, you know, showed toughness. He had balls, man. Uh, this is a definitely a, a big challenge for any fighter. I mean, um you know, Canelo, Canelo went in there, you know what I mean, with pride and everything. So, you know, he was, he was trying to go for legacy. But at this point, you know what I mean, 175 is uh, it's a little too much, um, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, and also, too, man, uh, I think Makabu, the, the Makabu fight should be off the table after this one, man. Um, I don't, you know, if he can't, well, you know, Usyk, if he couldn't hurt. shouldn't even be brought up either. I mean, that Usyk No, that, that either. Here. Nah. Nah, that either, too, man. And, uh. Um, the, the, the bigger, the bigger dudes at the weights, you know, they're, they're exciting. They, you know what I mean? They're, they're fun to talk about, but at this point, after seeing this fight, um, you know, Canelo should definitely, I think in my opinion, should go back down on 168 and just dominate, take the, take the rest of the people out there, Charlo Benavides, um, you know, what's the, what's the other, Triple G, you know what I mean? Get those, uh, get those fights and, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, rack, rack up the money and legacy those over there, you know what I mean? And, um, too. Like that's, those are yeah, all definitely, fun man. to watch fights, you know? Yeah, d- definitely fun to watch, man. And uh, and uh, you know, and after seeing after seeing this fight with Bivol, you know what I mean? I I believe a lot of those a lot of those the the, the game the, the game plan has changed for a lot of fighters. You know what I mean? For Benavides and Charlo and and Triple G, like after seeing that, you know, because uh, I, I felt like Bivol, you know, you know that style was very clever. You know what I mean? Like in all honesty, a lot of people thought it was boring, obviously, but. Man, it was clever. It was just, you know, for hardcore boxing fans, it was, you know, it was, you know, if you saw him, you know, the 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 punches that he was landing, man, there were there were there were something, man. Um, I mean, Canelo's face was looking different, man. Every in the late rounds, it, it was really red. And uh, thank God, you know, in all honesty, too, man, if I could be thankful about something, man, at least he didn't get knocked out. Like, oh man, I I didn't want to yeah. hear any of the fans, you know, the casual fans, you know, t- talking crap about the the knockout, because I mean, it, get, taking a loss in boxing, it, it's like all of a sudden, you know, you you hit rock bottom. It's like the, the you know people don't think less of you, and you're you know you're a bum. You know you're you are you are nothing. And you know this is a challenge. You know what I mean? People people need to remember that this was a challenge. This is, he fought out of his weight class. Yeah. Um. You know, out of his comfort zone. Uh, a, a big a big up, puncher. Very tough style. Terrible. Terrible style matchup for Canelo, man. Tough too, man. That that Bivol, man, is is something. But now after this, man, I'm hoping, yeah, bro, we still got Gilberto, Gilberto Ramirez in that weight. So hopefully he takes care of business, man. And uh, um, you know, shout out to him, man. And uh, hopefully, um, Zurdo takes care of business for us, man. And uh, you know, represents Mexico for uh, you know, uh, for a get back there, man. And but but also too, man. Um, seeing the the um. Uh, the Bivol fight. <coughs> after seeing the Bivol fight, too, I just want to say too that uh, I don't think, man, uh, better be of after, you know, I think he would have probably like definitely stopped Canelo um, in in if they ever had a fight together. So uh, that's just my opinion. But um, <coughs> but uh, yeah, man. And uh, other than that, uh, don't have too much to say. Um, also, I just want to say I got rematch? Castaño. What's up? What about this rematch coming up? Charlo <laughs> Castaño. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Castaño. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I like this fight. Uh, you know, I, I got Castaño winning. Obviously, he's uh, Latino, Argentina. Uh, so uh, I yep. want to root for him. Um, 
I'm definitely staying tuned for this one. I believe, you know, his activity, like, I believe he, he could win on the scorecards this time, get it fair and square. Uh, um, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Uh, Charlo, in all honesty, too, man, I, I thought a little bit less of Charlo, too. Um, the other day when the – when the the what was that? Uh, what was that pay-per-view, the one uh, – the the undercard of uh, Pitbull during the Pitbull main, uh, card? I forget. Oh, uh, uh, Spence um, – Spence Ugas, but uh, I guess he was oh, a little yeah, intoxicated yeah. there. So you know what I mean. Uh, so I don't know how much uh, you know. It's all about discipline in this in this fight business. You know what I mean. It's all about discipline. So um, was it that also ball, I want to say that was wasn't it, it both? I, I, was, I was hearing both of them. Was it was it only one? I don't think. I don't think, I don't think you could really. I don't think Jermel was drunk. I think Jermel was. Oh okay. But either oh, okay. way, then I'll take that back. <laughs> either way, I don't, I don't know, know that. Hopefully. hopefully yeah, but yeah, I, I, you know what? I'd rather not say like if I'm fact about you know what I mean if I'm you know speaking facts about it. So I, I, I'll, I'll take that back. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but man. I and, uh, but yeah, I got, but I got Castaño, man. I got Castaño winning a uh, uh, decision this time. Uh, so man, man, and uh, but yeah, man, and uh, but I just wanted to show up today and you know be here, win or lose. You know what I mean? It's back yes, to back sir. losses for for me. Uh, you know what I mean? I just want to show up. And also, man, it, 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 you know, it, it never ends, too, man, because, you know, Mexicanos are always here. We're always, you know, I'm always here to support all Mexicanos, you know what I mean? So one loss, uh, two losses, you know, we don't mean shit. So uh, it's always, it's always, you know, it's always for, for Mexicanos and La Raza. So, um, but yeah, man, for, but anyways, Chris, I don't have too much to say. Uh, shout out to the Ropa Dope Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. And I, I always respect that because a lot of people, We'll say a bunch of stuff, and then all of a sudden, no more messages. Oh, what happened to that? Oh, he he can't he turned off his account, or you know what I mean. A lot of people talk that shit, and don't wanna they don't wanna message you or call you or call in or whatever. Um, that shit's funny, dude. When this is more of a caller show back in the day, like it, man, that happened all the time. Oh, by the way, I just realized someone helped me with this one. I I I'm I. I, I I was actually reading right off of, uh, which is a good site, uh, you know, the pro boxing uh, site for the gambling. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, I'm not trying to say it's, uh, you know, it has a bunch of bullshit on it or something, uh, the, the pro boxing odds. But they, they just had it listed wrong, and I was just kind of saying, oh, I forgot about that fight. Um, Tony Yoka is not fighting, oh, boy, fighting Martin Bacoli. I think it's Bacole or Bacoli. Uh, that guy has one loss. I think it was to Hunter. Yeah, it was to Michael Hunter. I'm looking at it right now. TKO. Uh, this was a, a few years ago. But uh, this is a good fight, and I wanted I wanted to mention it because I thought it was a good fight. But it's also got the re- another reason why I want to pick uh, we'll talk about it is because it got picked up by ESPN Plus. Uh, so a heavyweight clash. Um, Yo, yeah, yo, yeah, I don't know how I, I totally spaced. I, I did mess that up. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that that should be interesting. I think that's now. Here's another thing that I just saw on BoxingScene.com. Okay, and this stuff you got to pay attention to this stuff too because uh, if it does go to the scorecards on Saturday, there is one. There's two judges um, that uh, that have you know. They, they picked the judges and the ref, right? The California Commission. Just, just, I just saw it on uh, 
boxing scene. And two judges, uh, and I'm not saying this uh, David Sutherland's a horrible judge. I don't know his record per se. I'm just mentioning this part. Um, and boxing scene does a good job of breaking down some recent fights. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. He had him down uh, in this fight. He had him up in that fight. You know, stuff like that. Like uh, when he went against Jackson, Charlo, you know, the, the judge uh, had him down, rightfully so. Because Charlo had to knock him out to win the fight. But David Sutherland had Charlo up 96-93 in the Harrison rematch before the knockout. And most people will tell you he was down 6-4. to four. Um, Just putting that out there. So, you know, that's only one judge. It's not like two out of the three or whatever. And um, it's not like he had him way up, but I didn't see him up after ten rounds. But, you know, to be fair, like I've always said, I had Charlo win in the first fight, and I thought it was fairly clean. Uh, Not that it wasn't competitive, but I didn't think he lost the fight. Um, So, yeah, 96-93 is what is what the judge had. So it is something to think about if it goes to the scorecards, obviously. And some judges just like certain stuff, uh, certain styles, or say, hey, this is what I think. This is what I think is winning a fight. Uh, so there is that, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, dudes from Oklahoma, uh, Glenn Feldman from Connecticut, um, and then Zachary Young from California. That's uh, that's who will be um, will be that. And then Jerry uh, Cantu, Cantu, I think it is. He's the ref. Um, so, and let me just double check something. Yeah, he had uh, Feldman had Charlo trailing sixty nine sixty four uh, against John Jackson um, on the cards of Feldman, Burke Clemens, and Moretti. And he came back, blah, 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 blah. And then Feldman had Charlo ahead of uh, Rosario, 67-64, which I think was fair. Um, Charlo trailed 20-18. to 18. Whoa. Charlo trailed 20-18 on Feldman's car before he knocked out Cotto. Did he lose both those rounds? I don't remember that. Um, but, yeah, here's what it says. Sutherland most recently, 96-93, he – Oh, shit. Oh, wait, yeah. Had Charlo. I thought I read that wrong. Had Charlo ahead of Tony Harrison, which uh, a, a fair amount, you know, I think would agree. Um, so he also, oh, they mentioned some other, you know, some other fight from like a six-rounder that was real, you know, uh, young in his career. Young is not judged. Oh, the young dude has not judged any of Charlo's fights, he did score Castaño uh, to Shara 117 to 111, whereas other people had it a little close. I actually, you know, I thought that was fine. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Something to think about. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Hopefully, you know, everything's going to be lovely on my side. <laughs> I think it is. I think I think we're good, actually. I think it actually pushed a little more west uh, than it was supposed to. So, yeah, we're out.
We'll be back next Wednesday. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that 